Hey, this is Nathan Fox, illustrator, artist, comic book guy, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. You see that, Jason? What? He was fearless that this week. He, he did, was. He did not care. Like Scott Free. Yep. But you telegraph it. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, everybody, guess what I read? <laughs> so much. Right? He was. I was. What? Yeah. Was I? For a book of the month, yeah. yeah. That's right. You weren't on Tuesday, but you were back for Thursday. True. It's, you know, it's weird. Yeah, you guys busted on me on the Tuesday show. We so. did. Did we? Apparently. Did you listen? We're in the home. No, no. A lot <laughs> enough people said, oh. Jason listening to Tuesday's episode. You guys apparently claimed that you were able to finally read books because I was on. No, I said that. Uh, of course I said that. I, I brought Tarzan to the table. I said, Jason's not here. What better time than to talk about both, Tarzan? We're able to talk about things that you normally wouldn't Did have. you talk about Doctor Who? <laughs> no, we could have, well, though. That would have been the perfect opportunity to do so. But I don't like it when one of us isn't here. It's not fun. I mean, it is fun. Sorry, I didn't mean to to slight Dap, but it it seems <laughs> it seems like a very crucial part of the mix is not. It's like making chocolate chip cookies without the chocolate chips. Exactly, yeah. it's oh, just that, cookies. You're gonna have to deal with that in two weeks. Why? Oh, another Hawaii trip. <laughs> you're such a wise ass. No, he's got to go get fitted for another leisure suit. You know that. <laughs> Florida. Oh. Who's that? What are you going for? See all the grandparents for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. You know we're gonna do an episode on Sunday, right? What su- Sunday. what Sunday? Don't we have to do another episode this week to to make good on our two or more episodes, extra episodes a month? It's the first. It's, it's I know. Let's do it Sunday. Eighth. No, Sunday. We gotta do it Sunday. Well, what we need to do is if if I'll do an episode with you on Sunday if you get. Your care package is made up by Sunday. What? Bro. <laughs> so what? When are you going to do them? Soon. Exactly. I just I didn't think soon was Sunday, though. Holy shit picks. Yes. Yes, that's right. We got to... We, our patrons are duly owed their goodness. Yeah, they are. And uh, we're dropping some goodness on them right now. Because yes. this... Is eleven o'clock comics episode five oh five or zero, depending on how you uh, view numbers. And I am Vince B. You are Vince B. Mm-hmm. And you can you can view numbers however you want to. I am David A. Price. Yeah. It's not an O though. It's a zero. It is a zero. Mm. Yeah. But it no, sounds cool. It sounds cool when Scotty says it because when he says five o o, like it, it's not an o. It's a zero. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what y'all are talking about, but I'm the styling, profiling, limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling and dealing son of a gun. I'm Rick Flair, baby. Ah, uh, he's. That's the second time you did that. I know. Yeah. That's okay though. You know why, why? What happened? What did he die? No, no. shut your mouth. No, no, I'm just saying. Well, I'm a whore. <laughs> ESPN put out a thirty for thirty this week on the Nature Boy. Yeah. 
Nate. Dap, this went ballistic. I think you pooped a little. <laughs> Don't you? And I had the vein popping and everything. Don't you dare. No, you're not Ric Flair. You're Jason Wood. Was it? Yeah. Everybody's here this week. Woo woo. Yes. First of three for the week. No? What'd you say? Excuse me? Excuse me? Spaghetti. Yeah. Hey, the new discount comic book service site has been updated. You now know what you are going to order for the month. My order's complete. I don't slack. I don't wait till the last day. I get it done fast. And I add to it along the way. You can get this month lots of nice specials up there. From Chapter House Publishing. I have been meaning to get in on this, but thankfully they have collected all of the issues of the Season 1 of Fantoma into a trade paperback. It's called Up From The Deep. Now, we all know that Fantoma is a Fletcher Hanks creation. But this looks like it's a bit of a departure, um, at least in the backstory, from what Fletcher Hanks created. Fantoma, under Hanks, was the mystery woman of the jungle. This beautiful, blonde uh, woman, somewhat along the lines of Sheena, without the uh, leopard print. And she would protect the jungle from all intruders, various and sundry, and whenever she used her powers, her face would turn into a blue skull. The rest of her would stay beautiful and blonde, but her face would turn into a blue skull. The uh, people who have done this Chapter House Publishing version of Phantoma look like they kept the spirit of the skull-faced blue uh, powered-up version, but the backstory sounds a bit different. The uh, writer is Ray Fox, the art is by Sue Lee and Megan Carter. Cover price is nine ninety nine, but you all know why you're smart. You go to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. You are going to get the first volume of Fantoma for $5.49. But wait, said Ron Popeil, that's not all. They have launched the second season of Fantoma, and you can get the first issue for a dollar nine dollar ninety nine cover price forty five percent off that is a dollar nine so you can get a double fist or a yeah i don't want to say that you you can get a a, you can get a two header of phantoma Mm. for not a whole lot of money from dark horse in conjunction with burger books it's anthony bourdain's hungry ghosts number one of four, it's a mini series, written by Anthony Bourdain and Joel Rose, art by Alberto Ponticelli, who we know from. Oh my God! Um, I'm trying to think. I know the name. Um, DMZ. DMZ. Thank you. Yes, and Vanessa Del Rey. So it's like, wow! It's two uh, fists. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, the cover price. Oh, the cover is also done by Paul Pope. What? What? Uh, cover price on this bad boy is three ninety nine. Your price, because you go to DCBService.com, is one dollar and ninety nine cents. Last but certainly not least, it's Jack Kirby one hundred trade paperback from DC. It collects the New God special, 
the Newsboy Legion and the Boy Commando special, the Sandman special, the Manhunter special, and the Dark Side special. Cover price sixteen ninety nine. What your price? Eight dollars and forty nine cents. A pittance to view the likes of Howard Chaikin and Chris Burnham and all them great talents. So go to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Get all this and more at a mere fraction of what you would pay elsewhere. Nice to do. Do it. Come on, let's get this train rolling. Y'all are dead. Dead, not dead at all. It has places to be tomorrow. Mm-mm. Listen, I think in honor of um, of of a certain listener whose favorite moment is uh, is is imminent, I think we should have uh, we should dedicate this drink roll call to Mr. Stephen Dow. That's nasty. I have a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I have a surprise for that while he's choking. Five hundred and five episodes. You think he would learn not to drink in the microphone? Listen, I'm thinking. Um, you know, <laughs> guy, guy's been. He's a loyal listener, very, very engaged and active listener. Yes, and he has on multiple occasions expressed a disinterest in our continuing the drink roll call. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it. You know, what is it that bothers him? And maybe it's just because he can't identify with it. Maybe he's doesn't drink. Maybe he's a teetotaler. Maybe it's maybe it's just not his thing, which is totally cool. So I thought. What if we include him in it? Yeah, that's true. Then or when he's listening to it, he won't feel as it won't feel as insignificant to him. Yeah, maybe he just doesn't want to hear anything that's non-comics. You can't fault him for that, right? Then he wouldn't have been listening for this many episodes. That's very true. That's, true. that's true. But I have a surprise for Dap. Oh, and oh, please! And every week, I have been making it a a point. I've been making the effort to get my ass to the wine and spirit store. One, because I enjoy it, the thing that I'm drinking, and B, because I know it makes Dap happy. Mm. B sometimes eclipses one, <laughs> because I love Dap so much. But so this week, I don't know if this is a, a premium name, but it's very tasty. It's called... Asti Sumati. No. I... I Dude, you you wound me. Like I know not to get that. <laughs> Harvey's Bristol free. Like when I just get ripple. Um, I am drinking H R M Rex Goliath, the oh, legend. Big cock on the blade. The giant forty-seven pound rooster. Yes. And it's a Merlot. Sixty-five gold medals. This company has so, <laughs> you love you love any wine with accolades it's like, so you oh, do they all have accolades who tasted this this one has a hundred medals the next one has a thousand Se- this one has oh 76 and a blue medal wow that must be something really good but i don't know it's a cool label it's a giant rooster wearing a wearing a fucking belt yes yeah it's I, it's tasty it's a merlot i do yeah no i i've uh I've had I haven't had it in a while, but yeah, um, it's it's tasty. It's 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 a decent price. You, you get some bang with your buck with that. Yeah, like good, but good I call. I did see the knob. Um, what is it? Knob Creek. Knob Creek. The the bourbon. Yeah, yeah, they had it, but the bottle's too small. Oh, you like it? Not big. It's like slight. It's I, there's maybe two glasses in it. I can't get that. No, no. I need I need bulk. 
It's true. And tasty. To be able to double fist it. Yeah, they have a lot of wine in boxes, but I know not to get that too. You're so smart. Right. And I've shied away from wine with a screw-off cap. It's, you don't have to. Why? No, it's basically there the the way wine is bottled is there's um the certain wines are supposed to age. Those are the ones with the actual cork corks. Mm-hmm. You have you have other wines that are either screw top or with a um, with Cardboard. a wax cork. Oh, wax cork! Woo! Those are able to. Those are going to taste the same, regardless. No matter how long they sit around, once you open them, because with the cork and and the whole aging process and the it, it's it's a thing. But certain wines are just supposed to. They're, they're going to taste the same from when you. No matter when they get right. open, but um, a- a- after you close them up and finish them later, it, it, it. But it's just so. No, there, there is no. Um, there's, there's no. Uh, it's a myth, if you want to call it that. There, there there's no truth to the idea that uh, that that a screw top is is a lesser wine because okay. there are a lot of uh, even more expensive wines, but there are there are some higher um, names or, or or more exclusive. Um, vineyards that that do. I have some of the knocking point are, are um, screw top, so it's not it. It doesn't. It's not. It doesn't denote that uh, quality. It's, it's a yeah, right, exactly. Gotcha. I got him to talk. See that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you drinking, Jason? Uh, I am drinking Corona Extra. How you like me now? Ice cold. It's like how I likes it. Did you put a fruit in the in the bottle? It's not a bottle. It's a can. Oh, not light. So, nope. cool. Just got a stack of cans sitting right here. Pile them off, stack one them. one after another. Get all giddy and happy. Oh yeah. Dap, what are you drinking? Uh, well, this is for you tonight, Vince. What? Yes. Is this it? is a wine of Argentina. Ooh. It is Epica, and it is a Malbec. Yay. What's on the label? It is a very, it's a striking, plain black label with, um, I'm going to say white, or maybe it's eggshell, but it's, it's Epica is, is, um, is, um, perpendicular to the rest of the lettering uh, that says wine of Argentina 2014 Malbec um, mm. from San Pedro it is uh, it's it's all designing and shit it, yeah yeah kind of sort of but I mean it's just it it and for some reason the um, the the neck where, where, where the cork is is um, wrapped in blue which well, no, that's not true. The the diamond over the eye in Epica is also that color blue. So I guess there's a whole color scheme thing going on. But it is, it's um, it is uh, it does have a smooth linger, and and it's not the, it's it's a little sharp, but not not super overpowering. But it it's um, and and it doesn't uh, just kind of hang out in the back of your throat. It's it's rather tasty. I could probably uh, finish this bottle quite easily tonight. Cool. I doubt I will, though. 
as I pour more. <laughs> Loving the wine. All right. Do we have any thank yous? No. Okay. So let's just uh, propel ourselves into the thing for which we've gathered, right? Talking about comics. Talking about them comics. What you got? Well, we got it. I mean, we would not be part of the cultural zeitgeist of comicdom if we didn't open this week's show with the discussion of the of the week. Hmm. What could that possibly be? <laughs> well, Josh Bayer's Frankenstein. To everyone's to no. everyone's surprise, Mr. Brian Michael Bendis announced this week that he has signed a multi-year, multi-faceted, exclusive contract with DC Comics. Bully for him, I say. I agree. Yeah, yep. I agree. And it, it's it's something I expected to happen. It's just not something I expected to happen this week. I, I figured we were still uh, a handful of years away from that, uh, from happening. But I am um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to whatever uh, he's going to be doing. Um, I just that's pretty much. I'm still kind of processing it. But it is a um, it's it is big news because I mean he's been with Marvel for for seventeen years he's been consistently putting out work uh, for them um, he was involved in 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 plenty of big stories big books big events and it's just um, it's still weird it, it's I don't think yeah it's it's something that uh, I don't know if there's anybody out there um, that would garner a, a as big a reaction from me presently working in comics today. And would you extend that to to someone that's at DC moving to Marvel? Yes, because I thought about it, and even if Johns were to do that, say, um, that would be the one. Yeah, that would be the one that I would. That, that would be the most. That would be the most comparable. But when I look at the bodies of work, because you guys know, you saw it in the in the Facebook group. There were some people who were um, either a little apathetic to it. They thought it was like somewhat anticlimactic because maybe Bendis hasn't been uh, scratching their itch lately or, or for whatever reason they don't care for his his work but mm-hmm. when when i look at the, the the work bendis has done and and granted i i haven't loved everything he did but i've i've tried out just about everything he did um whereas i think for me with johns and and to a lesser degree snyder but but with johns it's like up until um I was kind of with him, especially on the Green Lantern stuff, up until like Blackest Night, and then after that, even his Titan stuff, I enjoyed. But I think for me, Bendis has probably been a more consistent, enjoyable writer based on the stories and the characters that, that that I've read that he's done. Hmm. Love you, but I think you're looking at that through dap colored glasses. Well, how else would I be looking? At right. Them? That's what I mean. But 
if you stack them up side by side, I think John's has career highs every bit as accomplished as Bendis. And that's and and for some of that, I, he's he's he brought flashback and and yeah, it'd be great, I, dude. I mean, John should get a, a, a major pass for me just for bringing Hal back. So I, there's absolutely well, yeah. things that that right. I think that 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 John's has done. But th- then I look at things like infinite crisis and and whereas you know i was probably all in at the ground floor that dragged on a bit and i found the ending to be a little confusing or convoluted or and then and then it just and we had one year later and things just kind of it's i mean he's not jms where he starts off great and then doesn't know how to finish things obviously john's has and, and i know john i didn't read all of john's jsa stuff so it's, i can't add that to the mix but uh and and John's has I, I love DC characters, so John's has written a lot of characters that I am deeply that, that I care for. Right. But again, I just think that when when I when I look at the past seventeen years, um, I don't think again though if if and and just like Bendis wrote that one Batman story, uh, John's. John's wrote adventures before he he kind of went really buck wild at DC. So it's not like it, it it's unprecedented for him to do something there. It's just one of those things where, um, in in more recent years, I, I before John's was promoted to, to to major executive at DC, I, I enjoyed his work a lot more. Yeah. Well, my mine is a more. I mean, you expected me to say this. Mine's a more detached opinion because Bendis hasn't really wowed me in, I don't know, when was uh, probably the last time I really got excited over a Bendis book was when he brought the original X-Men back. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, what what book was that? Is that Uncanny? Or all, what new, it, all new. All new, yeah. All different. Yeah. I, I thought that was a neat little spin. It was enjoyable. You know, bought and read the hardcovers. I enjoyed it. I, th- I he, he gave me value for my dollar. But before that, prior to that, it was Bendis' Daredevil was the thing that, that really, I mean, he was BMB in all caps when he was on mm-hmm. Daredevil. It was a great oh, run. Um, and I liken it to... A, he, he's a very good musician. Whatever style of music he decides to play, you know the fingers on the fretboard. They're Bendis. Bendis has a voice, a very familiar voice. Right. So he's just going to be Bendis at DC. There's going to be nothing different. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it doesn't matter what characters he writes. He's He's a writer. But see, I think uh, he is a writer, and yes, and there are going to be those those Bendis beats, and there's going to be that kind of dialogue. But I do. This is where I think the characters aren't necessarily interchangeable. When when Byrne was writing Fantastic Four, he didn't write this, the characters in Superman as if they were just misplaced fantastic four characters he, it, the characters the, the the world super metropolis and, and the supporting characters in superman's book had had a distinct voice it, it, it may have it may have felt like a burn story but it's not like you're not going to have you're not going to have damien talking like iron fist 
in in a Batman book now. It, it's it's going to I think and because of the 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 environment because you know Bendis can come to New York and get a feel for the city and and write the characters based on 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 their environment. You, you can't really do that in DC. It's it, it, it's so yes, Bendis is still you're going to hear Bendis, but I don't think I don't think all the tricks that that we're so used to seeing or people were tired of seeing while he's been working at Marvel. I don't think they I don't know if they'll play as well at DC. So I think he might have to kind of switch things up a bit. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with that because it's huh? it no, it's just he works with words and ideas and concepts. What's the difference right. what characters they are? He 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 you you the appro- execution there's there's nothing different nothing just because marvel has its own isolated universe and dc has its different universe it's the same thing only in in different spots he's versatile enough where he can step into superman's boots just as easily as he could um luke cage you know what i mean it's just it's it's all yes. it's 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 just you you're getting into the head of this character and he's proven that that he can do that regardless of uh you know, street level, he he got into the Vision's head. He got into the She-Hulk's head. He became those characters. So what I'm saying is it, it's it's all in plying your, your craft. You're, you're a good, you're a writer, whether you choose to write science fiction or fantasy or horror or, or, or noir. If you can play with words effectively and concepts, it the, the subject matter is irrelevant. Right? You're right. No, I mean, you know, we've seen guys like Stephen King flip it up from fantasy to science fiction to documentary, and and it, it, it's just they he has enough experience over the the decades of writing where he could write any character effectively. Would it sound true? I don't know. I mean, would it ring that's, true? And right, I, that, I don't know. It's it's like you can you can have um you can have some characters you could have dr doom uh be sarcastic and and snarky by bendis it's a different dr doom than when Byrne wrote the character but but bendis is going it, it, it's like when we read um uh the 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 anti-illuminati the, the, with, with, with loki and namor and everybody it, it's you know you have you're sitting across from emma frost and and lady loki and and they all have a certain attitude and that 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 comes across that that feels like a Bendis written book. I don't think you can have Doctor Manhattan speaking that way. I, it, it, so I, yes, he's going to it's he's going to write like Bendis. But when when people think of Bendis, they also think of his dialogue and the way his characters behave. And I don't think the DC characters are going to work as well that way. That, that's what I mean by when he might have to switch things up a little bit. Well, it's going Some to be things that we're used to seeing are, are may not play right away. I, I understand, but it, it's it's going to be hard for him to lose his voice. He only has one voice, and that's that's Bendis. Yes, right. So I mean, if you if you asked a virtuoso guitarist to play an ACDC song or play a a uh, a piece of Brahms, right, it's going to mm-hmm. sound like that guitarist style filtered through the person that originally wrote it right so yes you can't lose your original voice it's impossible no so I don't it's going to sound like bendis at dc he has he knows no other way 
I want to hear from Jason. You got. I don't know if it's me. You guys are breaking up. I don't know if it's. Oh shit! I hope not. I think it's me. Um, which is why I've been quiet. Um, okay. Well, let's see. Uh, I feel like let's. I want to roll back a second. So, um, you said, David, that you expected it, but it came early, and that's not the first time I've heard you say that in the last day since this news broke. Uh, I'm curious by that because he's been there 17 years. So yes. why did you think it was going to happen eventually, but not now? Uh, just that I, it's one of those never say never things. It's, it's, I didn't, I didn't think he was, I didn't, I wasn't aware because no one's privy to these things. I didn't think he wasn't happy. I, I knew things had changed behind the scenes, but I didn't think it was enough where it's like, well, fuck it, I'm out, and and hands in the air, and he's walking. It's, <laughs> I I thought it was, I, I I'd like to see Bendis actually say that. <laughs> I'm out. I I think when I say that, it's he, it nothing nothing he's writing right now at Marvel feels like it's, it's the end of anything it doesn't it's not natural it doesn't feel like like i mean when he was when when he wrote daredevil end of days if he wanted to leave after that okay great but i mean he's he's he just started the defenders jessica jones is still going on at marvel um there there are there you know there, there's the two iron man books and it's i never got the sense that there wasn't a farewell tour there wasn't anything that said you know this is this is ben this is you know he's riding off into the sunset and and you know get this is gonna be the last time for a while at least this is gonna be it until you know have been to say goodbye to your favorite marvel characters is what i was expecting i was expecting him to uh, i i've written every single character that i care to write i've told every single story that i care to tell now i want to do something else and this wasn't this that kind of natural progression is what I was expecting. I was I was oh, I so so I was expecting him to leave, or I was expecting him to 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 do everything he wanted to do at Marvel, and now it's time for new challenges. And this felt like just not that. And and that's why I I, I figure you know when you're a writer and and you want to play with other people's toys, then then, then that's what you do. But that's not I, I so I figured it would happen eventually, just not this week. Well, they're going to be a a number of reasons for that. Maybe he's just not big on pomp and circumstance. You know, maybe he just doesn't want to give Marvel any more attention than he feels they deserve. I don't know. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Well, listen, we 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 don't know everything that's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. But we have little inklings here yeah. and there. We, we we do have a little bit of sway and, and reach. And I think it's not speculation to say that this was very quick. Uh, this was not something that was carefully calculated where, to David's point, that Bendis wasn't sitting around thinking to himself, I've done everything I can do at Marvel. It's time for me to see what I can do at DC. This was a situation more akin to, hey, I heard that Bendis might be willing to leave Marvel. Wait, really? <laughs> Why would you bring him on board? Fuck yeah, we would. Let's see if we can make this happen. It'd be stupid. Bendis, not here's a deal. Are you serious? And him saying, hmm, I think I am. Let's do it. So, I mean, I think when you're talking about high-powered people like this, these things tend to move quickly because there are there are some massive plate tectonics. And 
part of the power of the move is the surprise of it. Um, we also know from some friends in, in and around these circles that this was a genuine surprise to most people. Only Bendis' very closest closest people, his family, his agent, uh, knew that this was coming uh, more than a few days ago. So, so yeah, this wasn't... Uh, I don't think this was a thing where Bendis has been planning this for a long time. I think this was probably... And that tells me that, that that's likely... A, this is a marriage of opportunity and circumstance. Um, some other sites, especially... Excuse me. Less. Uh, especially um, Rich Johnston, and uh, look, he is what he is. So take anything he says with a grain of salt. But he did have some details in his write up of this saying that uh, David Gabriel and Bendis had had a falling out that um, continued to worsen uh, following the very public and silly comments that Gabriel made to ICV2 about diversity. Um, to no one's surprise, Bendis vehemently disagreed with the concept that diversity doesn't sell comics because uh, he has made a big part of his <laughs> his last 10 years at Marvel to be about diversity. Uh, and and he's made no bones about that part because he has a... His daughter is is, is uh, half Asian, and, and he, he's, he, he has come to value the idea of, of giving young people um, characters that are evocative of themselves. Uh, so, but again, to, to what extent was it a fuck you, no fuck you, or just a, you know, I don't like this guy and maybe that maybe it is time. And look, we, if you're listening to this and you're an adult and you've had more than one job, there's always circumstances. You could be happy in a situation and things just sort of run their course. And if you're in demand, you often have this opportunities presented to you where you're maybe not even looking for it right then and there, but, um, it's almost the cliched too good to pass up. And when it's presented to you in such a way, it expedites your thinking because I'm sure like you, David, I'm sure, I'm sure Bendis and I, I'm sure there's been 20 board balloon episodes where he said this, he's always left the door open to go into DC eventually. Right. Um, I think the most, for me, the most interesting thing about this news is how it's such big news, meaning that, um, another of the million ways that comics were different today than they were when we were young. When we were young, creators left to go to one or the, uh, the other all the time. In fact, that uh, you read any any book about the history of the big two, um, you know, comics, the Marvel way, all those things, that that's the way it worked. A guy would get pissed at his editor or his, his book would get canceled and he'd go over the other Publisher and say, "Hey, I'm, uh, you got anything you want me to do?" Um, Kirby's back and DC's got him. Well, no, that was now that's interesting. Someone made the, the I heard someone on another podcast make this point that this is the biggest switch of the two since Kirby went to went to 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 DC. I, I struggle with that. Yeah, I disagree because because um, I mean we weren't we weren't um, privy to to the back channel stuff, but everything we've heard about that. I mean that was. It, it, that is literally like Jesus Christ deciding to be a, a hippie, <laughs> right? I mean, right. I mean, this is the, I mean, that was the guy that literally created yep. the characters that were the underpinnings of the one publisher, and he left to go to the other. I mean, that is that is that is a seismic shift. And I think, and I don't mean I, Vince. I'm about to say something that I don't want you to take the wrong way. I, I think maybe you agree or not. I don't know. His move to DC, while it created some incredibly memorable characters, 
and in fact your your favorite comic series of all time. Yep. I, I don't know that the work that he did at DC is as um, universally significant as the work he did at early Marvel. It's not. Okay, cool. Yeah. And again, I don't mean that bad. I mean, it's great stuff. I'm just saying. So I don't know that Kirby, I'm sure Kirby would have loved to have gone to DC and left the same mark, but that really in, in retrospect was an impossibility. He wasn't there long enough. Not only that, but what you, you go, you, when you're responsible for creating something, it's hard to go to something else that's already existence. You can change it meaningfully and make your mark, but if you're not creating it and you created something else that's so profound, it's never going to feel as important. Right. Well, when you um, start at the top of the list and you yeah. say Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. you're done. Everything else pales in comparison. So he yeah. did the Fantastic Four at Marvel and all that other great stuff. He did New Gods at DC. Does New Gods equal Fantastic Four? No. I, mm-hmm. I love the New Gods, but come on. They do. They are uh, nowhere near the magnitude of the Fantastic Four. So everything right. else, you know, falls into place as a mm-hmm. result. Yeah. Now I have a couple questions for you guys. Okay. Uh, and this is just our opinions. There's no way we'll we'll know the answers to these in in time. Um. I have no doubt that Bendis will be pushed to the hilt. I'm sure they gave him a massive deal that's probably close to unrivaled. I, I, you know, again, I, I don't. He, he's certainly worth that. Um, do you think he will have a meaningful impact on sales of the books that he takes over? And I'll say sustained, meaning uh, six months into his run, will those numbers dwindle back down to whatever their natural state was, or will he have a a meaningful, you know, like whatever book it is, let's say. Aquaman is selling 25,000 copies now. Six months after he takes it over, if he takes it over, will it be selling 50,000 copies? Uh, if he takes over, you know, I speculated he would relaunch GSA. If he relaunches GSA, will it be a top 10 book for at least, you know, six to eight to 10 months after his 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 launch? Do you think he'll have that kind of, of impact? Oh, um... Probably. See, it's weird. I, 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 my initial reaction, my response is is to say no only because um, everybody's attention spans these days. I don't know. Um, I don't know if if any uh, if any book is maintaining. Uh, levels after the first couple of months. Regard, I mean, wh- whether it's you know, John's writing something or or, or Snyder's All Stars Batman, or it, it's I don't know when the last time anybody had at DC a an ongoing that that maintained a solid sales figure for 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 the first year. Um. So I think it would be, unless it's it's a property that, like you said, with JSA um, or Legion or whatever, that I think if as long as they're not giving him someone else's book and and he's picking up where they left off, if 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 he's launching something that 
he's going to be able to to play with and mess around with. It has a better chance of of sustaining, but I I don't think um, if if they were to give him Supergirl or anything like that, that it would um, maintain the same figure for the first year. I don't know. All I can do is put myself in his position. Right. If I was a hotshot writer at Marvel and I was going over to the other team, I would make damn sure to knock their socks off. Sure. And if I was DC and I just paid it a stupid amount of money to get this guy over here, I would promote the shit out of whatever he does. I think regardless of of the book that Bendis well, book or books, I think DC is going to market the books to the hilt. That's mm-hmm. one of one of the things DC does not do, other than the big proven sellers. Other than a bad book. They they don't market their stuff at all. They they they, they maybe initially just internally. Just, right, I mean, right. Yeah. They'll initially they'll give it a little tiny push, but then they forget about things after a while. Yes, exactly. I I, so I think they are gonna. It's going to be like Rocket's Red Glare with Bendis. Everything he touches is going to be constantly shoved down our throats. And that's a good thing. They want to get their money's worth. I, I think Bendis has something to prove. He He's rested on his laurels for a long time. He was Bendis at Marvel. Now he's in a new atmosphere. He's going to come in swinging. And Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I think he... You've seen the the Twitter and the Facebook posts. He's got a stack of DC books that he's reading. He's doing his, he's doing his research. He is going to find that, uh, she Hulk ripping apart the vision moment. And he's going to, I think he's going to revitalize whatever he touches just because he's hungry. Okay. So, so, so Jason still has to answer his question. And then I have a question for you guys. Well, I, I, I don't disagree at all with what Vince is saying, but I don't. I do view that as not exactly the question I asked. In the sense that, if I was asking, do I think that Bendis is going to bring his A game, and we're going to find Hell as, yes, if readers that we're going to enjoy those books either more than we enjoyed the prior version of that title, or more than say the things we've read of Bendis in the last few years, I'd say there's a great chance for that. I do agree that this will serve, regardless of whether he saw this coming himself or this was spur of the moment or or plan forever i do agree with you that there's no way he's not going to be creatively invigorated by right. this and i think but let's he be is, honest I, he's been lazy bendis has been lazy for I'm, the past I won't like even go there I, I i won't go there because i i i think frankly the more i think the more pertinent issue for for bendis is that um it gets back to what you were you and david were talking about at the beginning of this conversation i think much one of the main problems comics have today, if they have a problem, is that the industry was always about getting young people to read stuff on a weekly basis and come back for more. And so, for a long time, comics could retell the same stories and rehash ideas and change narrative all, all the time, and it really wouldn't matter because what I was grooving on a year or two before I was moved on to something else, but there's another kid right behind me. And now we have an industry for the last few decades where we have gotten older and we've kept the industry going by sticking with these titles and characters. And as a result, it's super hard for us to get jazzed because we have read all these things a million times. We've seen every iteration of these characters and we vacillate between wanting them to be different and wanting them to be what we've always loved. 
And I think the same is true of any writer, Bendis included. I think with Bendis, it's not that he got lazy. I think that it's just that Bendis is Bendis. We know Bendis. We've seen that formula, and especially with Marvel, so many times that we began to see the Matrix. We began to see the dialogue, and we make the jokes about the talking heads sitting at tables. And you know what? He loves talking heads sitting at tables. And I think... Uh, if you if you if the first book you ever read from Bendis was his Defenders that's coming out with David Marquez right now, you'd love it. Yep. I think if you read his Jessica Jones right now, you'd think it's classic Bendis. If you hadn't read Bendis since he was doing Jessica Jones the first time, I just think that we know we, if you've read Bendis for 17 years doing Marvel, you kind of know what it's like. And so I think one of the interesting things to me will be the debate you guys were just having. I, I agree with you, Vince. Like Bendis is still going to be Bendis at DC. The question is, though, is is there going to be enough sleight of hand because it is in a different setting with different artists and different characters that it's going to just feel just fresh enough that we're going to enjoy it more than we would have, say, enjoyed it had he done another yeah. Marvel book? I, I kind of um, did answer your question to a, mm-hmm. to a certain degree because you said if he gets on a book, do you think it would be a, a, a big seller six or 12 months down the line. Sure. I think DC is going to promote it so that it does, they are going to constantly hammer home the fact that Bendis is at DC. Bendis is on this book. You need to read this. Posters in comic shops, um, they're going to take out like massive chunks of, of space in the previews catalog, reminding us of the fact that Bendis is now at DC. You need to read this. It, I, I don't think it's going to go away. I think it's going to be a constant, it's like searcher okay. hamming on the anvil. It's going to be like doom, like Bendis is nice. at DC. Constantly. Yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 you know, I think one of the things that, um, getting back to David Gabriel, while we, while we largely remember the stuff he said about uh, diversity, um, frankly, I think the thing he said that ruffled the most feathers was, and it was actually it was he and Axel Alonso um, saying this coincident to one another that. That uh, there's no such thing as an as as a an artist that moves units anymore, and that it was a writer's world. And while I don't disagree that the writers have the upper hand these days in comics, we already talked about this when they said it. I I, I I'm not sure I agree that great artists can't help sell books. But what will be interesting to me is I I am curious as to whether I guess I'm a little jaded in that I think there. are Everything is, is smoke and mirrors now. Everything that Marvel and DC do to spur sales are tricks. True. Renumbering. Starting with new number ones, new titles, re- yep. re- changing the title, going back to the original numbering, event, no event. I, I think variant covers, they're all tricks yep. to get numbers back up because they know that every subsequent issue declines and then they get them back up and they keep propping it up. And slowly over many, many years, but surely that that has each each subsequent time they pull one of these tricks it has a lesser impact um and i think that uh you know new new writers new creative teams are in a way a part of that trick i i I think that um i would be very surprised if there's a quote-unquote bendis effect on dc's market share after say he's there for a year like once you anniversary the initial bump um but what i do think is worth saying is that i do think that regardless of whether you are grooving on Bendis in particular the last few years, um, I think we cannot underestimate the creative role he had in making Marvel the the company that had you guys doing bullpen bulletins and had us talking about Marvel nonstop in our early years here uh, and getting them back to the top of the heap, frankly, creatively. 
Um, I think he was not only responsible for that resurgence on a personal level in that the stuff he created, but I also think he was vital to bringing in a lot of the artists and other writers that are now um, mainstays in the industry. And so that's the fascinating thing to me is, can he have that kind of network and halo effect? Because I would say, and please listeners don't, you know, God, I hope you know us long enough to know that we're not DC or Marvel haters either either side. I do believe that Mar- that DC right now, on average, is putting out better books. And again, please, I, I'm reading up you know, lots of Marvel books. I'm enjoying lots of Marvel books. I'm not saying Marvel sucks or down on Marvel. I'm, that, that is not what I'm trying to say. So please don't put comments and misconstrue that. But what I'm saying is, as someone who's coming from having read Marvel for 30 years nonstop and having read DC for about a decade nonstop, I personally think that for the first time in many years, if not the first time for me since we've been doing the show, DC on average is putting out better books. So now they get Bendis and presumably they're going to get Dave Marquez and they're going to get Sarah Pacelli, or at least they're going to get chances at them. And, um, you know, so that's what I'm fascinated about. There was a story that lit broke today that, um, that uh, DC for a long time, unrelated to Bendis has been working on a deal with, with Jonathan Hickman. Uh, to come back and do superhero stuff. And uh, it wouldn't be exclusive because Hickman doesn't want to give up his creator-owned stuff, but he he's considering coming to DC. So it's just the pendulum creatively, I think, is... I th- if you're asking me, is the pendulum swinging creatively toward DC in a big way? I'd have to say yes with this news. If yeah. you're asking me, will it make a difference on the pendulum of the business? That I'm much less confident in. Because Marvel has proven time and again that they can sell books. They're very good at that. Um so that's where I stand. The other, the, the and I do. David said he has a question for us. Um, I'll let him do that, and then I'll say, and I'll throw in my my second question. to You guys was, what if anything does this do to Marvel, near term, long term? Well, I don't want to go all sky is falling. All right. Well, I mean, but be be honest. Be, I, be honest. I think I think it speaks to a bigger problem at Marvel. Mm-hmm. If if their top dog decides that it's time to move on, right. What does that say about the company as a whole? What's going? Exactly. What is going on behind closed doors? When when Bendis deci- Bendis has been the Marvel poster child or poster man. Let's give it. He's not a child. The poster man for Marvel for decades. When that dude decides, Nah, son, I'm out. You have problems. There is something. There's a worm in the apple, and we need to we need to find out what that is. Like, is it that horrific a workplace? Well, okay. Now, now the thing is, and granted, they they have overlords now, and and things aren't the way they were in the '60s or the '90s. But when you have, sorry, the '70s, the you know, this isn't the first time, like, like Jason said earlier with Kirby. But I mean, even before Kirby, you had you had Thomas, you had Wolfman, you had Conway and Engelhart. Yeah. Everybody, everybody kept going. And and it came back and, and, Wait, and so so that was exactly and then you had and then you had Rucka. the founders leave there and, and and that exodus and and you know Marvel stock went to shit and and they they had to get their bearings again after Image started um, and then there was the whole bankruptcy thing in the late nineties and then yes Bendis had a hand in in making 2000 making sure you know th- things were moving along so they i don't think 
they're 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 savvy enough to I do believe that they're savvy enough to to keep things going and and I don't think uh Disney wants to have a division that that loses a ton of money but I think if you if 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 someone like Bendis is happily going to leave and go to the competition and you see other people um not hide their disdain or um uncomfortableness of 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 what some of the other bosses are saying in public and interviews and things like that um and you just go on twitter and see what other creators are saying i think something has to change so yes i like vince says that that there's something needs to be looked at if it and and it has to be you know if 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 your creators if the people who are making your books are are happy and producing then everything's fine but if if something if you have people in charge now who weren't in charge two, five, ten years ago, and and the people who are in charge now are causing people to not be happy, then then the common denominator is is management, and and that's right, right. And I, overall, I think this is a beautiful thing. Bendis, Bendis leaving Marvel is an absolutely beautiful thing for one reason. Without the creativity, without people like Bendis and and the visual stylists with whom he chooses to work, Marvel would have been publishing 32 blank pages. They need to understand that. They need to understand that the real workhorses are the guys that are w- with the ideas and, and, the, and the people laying down the lines. You guys are just middlemen. You're taking this this beautiful creative output and you're just making it available to consumers. That's all you do. Mm-hmm. So don't act like you're doing these guys a favor by employing them. Bendis saying, I'm gone. That should shock the shit out of the people at Absolutely. Marvel. Yeah. And they, they, they should, in, in his the wake of his departure, they should start treating creative people better. Give them better deals. Give them... like. Thank you for choosing to 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 give your ideas to us. If not, fuck it. I'll go to the other guys. They, they're they're more receptive to me. They give me a better environment. It's it's a more relaxed, more creatively rich environment where I can create. I'm just saying, right? The thing that boggles my mind is why didn't Bendis go to Image? He's been there. Well, no, I mean, but if, if 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 you are a creative person and you, you know you have these things that are very valuable. You're not just gonna give him. Yes, he's, he's getting him. he's getting a lot of money, but I'm just saying, don't you want all the money? Like, why not take that though, stuff that, to Image? He's got yeah. his own stuff. I mean, I, got, I, I I think this is about the dude again. I think part of this is that the dude wants to play in the pond that he hasn't how, played in. How much? How much did he create for Marvel, knowing that? All he has is is a co creator credit now. It's not like he's he can't take those he can't take those characters and go anywhere else with them. But again, he's we I love it when we have this conversation. But it he he may just be one of those dudes who obviously yes he created his own stuff, you know, Jinx and Torso and and go. I mean he's had he, he he's done that and 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 he's you know worked on Todd stuff with Sam and Twitch. So it's it's yeah. He's, Which is good, but it didn't sell all that much, right? But he's he may be one of those dudes who's like, listen, I want to I want to create something that's going to live on in the pages of Superman 
or Batman, or just like I created something that added to the Spider-Man legend. And, right. and, and it just, so yeah, it, it, that's, that doesn't mean that those are the only ideas he has. I, I totally get it. You know, they do like, sell books yours those... and that's what, you know, you should own it and keep it. And, and, but when Bendis is gone, nobody's going to pick up and, and, and run with, with the next chapter of Jinx because that was Bendis. And, and, and so if, but, but if, if Bendis is gone and he adds something, to if someone wants to run out and and another writer wants to do something with Riri over at Iron Man, that'll continue. So it, it's but nobody ever picked up and ran with the next chapter of Moby Dick either. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I I completely do not understand the fact of continuing the life cycle of a character that you didn't create. I want to write Superman. Why? Why I don't why because he's as nostalgic for those characters as you or I are. Agreed, but Bendis is a writer. Writers write. I'm sure he has a scatillion ideas for his own things that that he could reap the rewards completely from. Like, uh, 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 why Superman or well, why? Well, hold on, but let's but but that, see, I never understand but when you go down this path because <laughs> let's think about. Tom King is is crushing in Batman. He was agreed. It was a lifelong dream okay. to write Batman and tell Batman stories. And he even said when he was on our show as 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 you know as as uh, as, as as uber confident as the statement may have been, you know he said that there are there are characters in the big two that do not have a magnum opus, and it's many writers, his included, to by the time his career is done to have a definitive run in a few of these characters so that when you look back and say, what's the best insert big two character here run right. ever, yeah. you say Tom King's run, just like you would say Simonson on Thor or Bendis on Daredevil or Frank Miller on Daredevil, whatever you pick. But, but, but and I think that that they're like, I don't under, like, you know, it's so funny. You're not like, you're not, uh, I'm not a business person. I'm not. No, but, but that's the funny thing to me. The only argument against, doing big two stuff be because you think you can own and get more of the money of doing your own stuff. But right. by the way, like your own stuff doesn't Bendis knows that deal. He can't Bendis was one of the first. Not everybody has a savage dragon to, to come up from, <laughs> to come up after the image revolution and then move into mainstream. And by the way, I don't know what Bendis makes at Marvel. I don't know what his meals is, but I do know that he made he made a grit many times over writing these characters. That oh, I agree. Uh, yeah. And he's going to be making a grip at DC. And he also told great stories. I mean, again, I, I vividly remember a lot of his stories that he told of these characters. And you know what? I've read dozens of years of these characters written by other guys. And like, I barely remember them or I remember them not as fondly. Right. Well, so, I was going to say that before. I think Bendis's Avengers disassembled is as vital to the Avengers as the Kirby and Lee stuff. Oh hell yeah, yeah. But and I mean that's that's great. But that's not going to buy him a house. Well, yes, it probably did. Yes, it but, will. But, yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, like Tom King, you say, oh, he wants to write the magnum opus for these characters that don't have it. He is currently annihilating Batman, which is great. And but let's be honest, without Batman, he wouldn't be Tom King. Right, so but I let him. Any of that. Uh, I, 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 no, I said without Batman, he wouldn't be Tom King, capital T, capital K. So mm -hmm. after Batman, 
once he slaughters Batman, which we know he's going to, he has been, right. he'll continue to do so. Take that name and go make yourself some real money. I think you underestimate what people like Johns and Bendis make. So you're saying that it's the Batman and the Avengers that bring people to the table, not the name. Tom I'm King saying or Brian that Michael if Bendis. you can break through the ceiling and become one of the few creators that Marvel or DC views as a difference maker, you can make more money than anything else other than unless you have one of those rare, rare creator own works like a Hellboy or a Saga or a Walking Dead. I mean, look, again, I don't know what Bendis makes, but I would I would sell one of my children into... <laughs> you would not. If, You're... If, he, if he didn't make more than a million dollars a year at Marvel. Oh, it's probably true. Okay, it, it well, is. let's be honest. Not a single creator at Image other than Hickman and, and Brian K. Vaughn are making a million dollars a year off their books. Not Hickman, I'm sorry. Uh, Kirkman. So I think we know someone again, that comes if, close. If you're, at the, if you're at that peak, if you're at that peak, then this is a different conversation. You're coming at it if you're Greg Pak, or if you're that's Colin real Bunn, nice. That's real no, nice. <laughs> no, and I throw those names out because they're excellent writers that have been they out are. for a long time and are proven commodities and and churn out good work and do it regularly and can handle lots of different narratives and story types. And they do a lot, lot, lot. Uh, their their level of quality is consistently high, but that's my point. The, the, the Bendis is not one of those dudes, right? But Bendis you, all right. is his Bendis is Bendis, right? Like, like getting back to the question of like Scott Snyder could go to Marvel right now if Scott Snyder's agent. I don't know if Snyder's contract status at DC, but if his contract was up and he his agent called Marvel and said, "Hey, you want to counter Bendis? How about you bring Scott over?" Scott's getting a deal that is ridiculously different and better than all the guys that we think are doing great work at Marvel right now writing books. Like if that's except for like, again, except for his equivalents, like a Jason Aaron. So like, you know, and that's just the way it is, man. Like they're the has and the have not. So I don't, I don't think Bendis is sitting here thinking like, well, geez, maybe I should go put out the eighth volume of powers or Scarlet version two at image and I'm losing money. Like, screw it. No, he's not. Like, man, he's not losing money at all. Because, by the way, he's getting a piece of this movie stuff. Oh, is he? Yeah. Yeah. The, thing, the bottom line for me is... He I... didn't have it at Marvel. He had it at Marvel, and then he lost it. Yeah. And, again, I'm not saying that's why he left, but one thing we can be sure of, Marvel was going to be unable or unwilling to match Bendis' expiring deal this time. They weren't going to give him that deal over again. So this new deal, if he was going to stay there, was going to be for less. And it's human nature. It is very hard for someone to take a demotion or less money. It just is. Now, people do it if that's your only alternative. If you lose your job and you got it, that's, that's different. But if you are in the Preach. want, people do not take less money. Especially for the work. same amount of work. He was still going to be writing books. Yeah, yeah. He was right. still going to be, I mean, you know, so it's like, why am I right. like, like That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, like uh, I don't know, what's, uh, like Judd Winnick. I'm just trying to pick a writer that, seemingly wrote regularly but now doesn't anymore. Or like Fabian, Nicieza. Like, real talk, I mean, if Marvel or DC call them with a modest deal that's, say, less than what their last deal was when they were DC or Marvel exclusives, they're taking it because they don't have a regular gig. But again, if you're a Bendis or an Aaron or a Schneider or a Hickman or, you know, a Lemire, like, or a Tom King probably very soon, if not already, like, you're not, you're not leaving the comforts of where you're at Unless they're 
getting an offer that's blowing your socks off. Right. Because you have you have optionality. To your point, Vince, Bendis could have announced, I'm leaving Marvel to do creator-owned work, and it would have been a freaking huge story, right? Image would have, I mean, you think, I mean, Stevenson would have made him, they would have had a Bendis oh, wow. column, for God's sakes. Yeah. Right? They, I mean, they would have said, oh my God, here's Bendis' first three books and his partners. He's, he's doing this book with Pacelli, he's doing this book with Malev, and he's doing this book with David Mack. Um, so... Oy. <laughs> well, I, I'm sorry, I know, but I'm saying that's his, that's his, he left. I know, right? That's his boy. That's his boy. So it just uh, proves the man's not perfect. But, no, I know. But, I mean, um, bottom, bottom line, I don't like to see creative individuals give their diamonds away for pennies I, on the dollar. I don't think he's getting shafted, Vince. No. Yeah, see, I just, yeah, I don't. He, I don't. He's not. He's not. But I'm going to make a prediction. Okay. I, again, I, I, I'm going to step in the shoes of the, the people at DC and approach it from the way I would have done it had I been there. If I was DC, what I would do was the first book that Bendis chose to, to, to do with us, I would make damn sure that John Romita Jr. was the artist on it. Oof. What, what do you mean, oof? Why? Well, because it's familiar. Right. Okay. It's it, it's now that's now, it, it's it's grind familiar. No, because wanted... it, it's familiar at Marvel. It's grinding it's, the face. Okay. So 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 that means that you're 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 trying to get those Marvel diehard fans who don't read a lot of DC exactly. to try a DC book. Yeah. Yep. My my and and that's and yes and because it is familiar, I don't know if I would strike off with that i that that's a that's an annual that that that's a one shot later on after i i think i i think it's it's bendis we got him and and i think it's gives give us something we haven't seen before i don't i don't want to see i don't know if i want to see what i'm used to just with different players on the field but that's what you just that's what you were saying all the way back when we started this conversation, that the DC characters have a voice and you didn't think Bendis was going to fit in with that voice. People want what they're used to. If, no, you're, I, if you're following Bendis over to DC and you see John Romita Jr. on the page, you're just like, wow, this is just like the stuff that back way back when at Marvel. Like, isn't that opening the door? And then after that, then throw all the DC artists at him. I think it would be vindictive, number one, and and I'm all about that. But yes, you are. I am. But it's yeah. I don't. I I don't. You threw me with with with, with I what think? I said earlier, but it was no, no, because I I, I don't I, I don't think if 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 what I just heard is what you got out of what I was saying before, that I, I guess I didn't express it. Um, no, you you. Right, we, we won't rewind, but I'm just, just no, saying. I and, no, I, uh, I think, David, I, I get what you're saying, because I, I think what David was saying earlier was that was sort of contradicting your statement. He was saying that that Bendis, we shouldn't just assume that we're going to read these books of him doing DC characters and say, oh, that's Bendis doing Bendis. And you were taking the stack of, well, a guy writes how he writes. What else so, can he do, right? 
but each character should read differently. I mean, yeah. one of the exactly, reasons that but I love Jason Aaron the is that he can write lots of different types of characters. Right. Says so same thing with but Alan the, Moore. Same thing right, with, but the voice of Alan Moore is always the same. You, the, I'm he, sure Alan Moore approaches all his projects the same, but his yeah, there's his only Captain one way. Is not going to sound the same as 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 Harkness. As, no, I mean, it, it shouldn't. Uh, that's and and right, and that's what I'm saying about Bendis is just because he got done writing years and years worth of Luke Cage and Danny Rand and and Jessica Jones doesn't mean we're going to get that when when he writes superman batman and wonder woman that they're not going to send they're still going to they they have their own they have a unique personality they that that's what he has to tap into right but he that's, doesn't become a different person i'm not he, no he's not going he's to. bendis I, he I, only I, knows I, how I, to write bendis's way I want to read i want to read bendis's superman but i don't think superman's going to have the pauses or saying the hell when lex <laughs> luther holds up jonathan by the of his you neck. don't know it's, that you don't I'm, know that you're right i don't <laughs> don't but I don't. But 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 Superman still has to sound like Superman. Superman still sounded like Superman when Byrne was writing him, or when Stern or Wolfman was writing him. So it's not like it's it's still Superman. So you're not going to. You may get the Justice League sitting around a table, talking for a couple of pages because that's what Bendis does. Yeah. But it's still not going to sound like oh I could you know it, it's not going to Superman is not going to be played by 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 Captain America this week. It's just it's one of those things where. The characters still have to ring true. Yes, yeah. Bendis, you're going to hear Bendis through them, but you're not going to get the same voice. The the the, the I, I it's going to because obviously it's going to look different, but the characters are different. So yeah, Bendis is still writing Bendis, but it's not it's not going to drip with all those Bendis isms that we've been used to for the past seventeen years right away. This is this is fun. I don't know if it's fun, but I th- it, why oh, did no, you say it. that? No, 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 no. I'm, well, I I'm having a blast, and I, I don't know if people are going to be like, "Well, you guys went on Bendis forever," but it's it's I it's hell with them fucking doings. I don't I I don't care what you know. I'm there just saying go. that I I'm I'm loving this conversation. I think this is great, and and we don't we don't really we we talk about things, but I don't I don't remember the last time we did a. Stupid well, there hasn't been news like this. I think right, 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 right. I do so, think that that's, that's I think, why I thought it was worth talking about because I this this is um, I forget who it was. Someone joked on Twitter uh, that uh, congrats to Bendis because this is the first time that uh, a comics artist has been able to trend Hester. in the last few years without yes, dying. Without dying, that was Phil. He's right. I mean, he is absolutely right. Yeah. Um, One thing before I, I we think move there's on. No downside for DC with this. Uh, I think there's no downside for Bendis. Nope. Um, I, I am a little I, – I, I don't think this is as big a deal for Marvel as some are ascribing because uh, I think people are kidding themselves if they don't think their personal politics come into play. And, and that, uh, in some ways, this is like professional wrestling, uh, today's enemies, tomorrow's friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Bendis comes back to – Marvel in a few years, just oh. like Mark Wade did or Greg Rucka did. Especially I mean, especially once management. Exactly, exactly. Um, you, you know, and 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 we we have gotten away, I think, for the better about talking numbers in, in recent years, and I think that's good. But I will say, just since this is a kind of on the, this is somehow tied into the numbers. Um, for all of the the storm and drang about. Uh oh, Marvel's in trouble and all this bullshit. It's it's not true. The numbers don't don't belie it. In fact, um, I was listening to another podcast uh, off panel, David Harper's podcast, and he had uh, John Jackson Miller, the, the the guy who runs Comicron, you know, the one that crunches the numbers each month. 
And John Jackson Miller said the first six months of this year, Marvel was down year over year as and stores were hurting. But in the last few months, Marvel sales are up meaningfully year over year. In fact, this past month, they were 14% year over year and are once again, definitively the top selling uh, books in comics. So, so am I saying everything is, is hunky dory at Marvel creatively? No, I, I think clearly they're, they're working through some issues and whether that is the, the top guy and, and, and in Axel, whether that's, Report, whether that's the guys under those guys. And, and I think it's fair to say that there are legitimate questions about the state of the creator versus editor uh, paradigm within Marvel. But that is easily fixed, y'all. Because if the numbers really do start getting hurt for a period of time, you think heads aren't rolling? You think they're not fixing that? Let's remember that the reason that Bendis is Bendis is because Marvel was in such a bad state after they that they went from bankruptcy to paying an insane amount of wasted money on the image creators to come back and reimagine their universe, which flopped, by the way. And then, because they didn't know what else to freaking do, they pivoted and gave the job to two jamokes that most people had never heard of in Jimmy Palmiotti and Joe Joe Costata, who at the time were not big names and were not known to be very savvy business guys. What are you saying? Ash was huge. See, I'll take... take No, but what I'm saying is is those guys then took an imprint that had no marketability, no cachet, and basically were allowed to do whatever the fuck they wanted because there was no pressure on them. And that was the very germination of Marvel's renaissance, which now makes them the Marvel that we're all talking about. So, like, I'm not saying that there isn't going to be lower lows from here, creatively or business-wise, there may be. But dudes, you're kidding yourself if you think they're not going to fix it, if there's something that needs to be fixed. And maybe fixed means that in two years we're talking about how they have an entirely new group of editors-in-chief and a new head and a whole bunch of new writers that, that came up from some other spot like Image and are killing it. Maybe that will be what happens. But, dude, it's going to happen. Like, these... The, the, like... We heard some ridiculous things in New York Comic Con, like, oh, maybe Marvel's... Like, Marvel's not going to stop publishing comics. They're not going belly up. They're not losing market share to DC. They're not in trouble. They're just not. Because it's always about the characters. Like, honestly, it is. It's about the characters. We can... We buy books because of the creators. We buy books because of the writers. We buy books because of the artists. But books sell because they're the characters. Right. That's why mm-hmm. they sell. I, you know, I find it very interesting that you said Marvel's not in trouble. And that they've been selling, you know, they're, whatever you said, year to year, they're, they're up mm-hmm. over, over previous years. That, mm-hmm. to me, I mean, I've sampled a bunch of Marvel books, n- new Marvel books. I, I, I'll start reading them. Like, there, there's a, for as many good books, that there's, there's one or more god awful books. And it just, just, says to me that people buy out of inertia. Like, who's enjoying these books? There's a lot that aren't very good, and, they, if but, they, and yet they're yeah, selling. You're, you gotta ha- you're self-aware enough to know that you're in a strange place right now. You're, you're anti- You keep saying that, way. but I've been in a strange place for, like, years and years. Right, but you were, four years ago, you were in the same strange place at DC. You were sold off your Batman collection. You swore on the show constantly. To a friend. You were sitting- 
Huh? To a friend. Yeah, but I'm saying on the show, you said how many times you weren't interested in reading Batman stories anymore. You weren't interested in reading Superman stories. You'd read all the Batman and Superman stories you needed to read. I and know. These things are cyclical. That's all I'm saying. Like, like I mean, David and I agreed. I think he, I'm not, I don't want to speak for you, David, but we can both acknowledge that we don't talk about Marvel as much as we typically do or have in the past. But I'm still reading a lot of Marvel books, and I do think there are generally plenty of good Marvel books. I, I, yeah. I, I don't, so I, I don't agree with your perspective there that the, uh, as I said earlier, I think the average quality of DC is higher than Marvel right now. But, I mean, these are companies that put out 60, 70 books each a, a, a month. That's another and, thing, too. Yeah. Well, but that, that's a, that's an entirely different conversation, one I happen to agree with you on. But, but, but I mean, so I think there are tons of great books at Marvel. In fact, if we ever do start this new feature you promised we're going to start, um, <laughs> I have a number of, of, of Marvel titles that I'm clamoring to yeah. get caught up on and because they're very good. Right. Now, before Vince wants to move on. I didn't say that. Oh, he wanted to move on 20 minutes ago. Do you want to see Bendis work on an existing book? Work on something that, 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 that you're seeing on the stands these days? Maybe not necessarily taking it over, but a, a new book featuring something that, that, that we're seeing right now. Or something that hasn't been seen in a while. No, he has to work on an existing book. He he absolutely has to. If he doesn't, then what's the point? He's got to go for one of the big guns. I'm not saying, saying I'm not saying they, Batman, but, but what I'm saying is, you know, JSA or Legion or but, or but neither of those books but, are. But recent. JSA or Legion aren't. David's saying books that are on right the now. stands now versus. Right. All right. Um, so if it's on the stands now, it's probably going to be Justice League. Okay, so there are currently what two Justice League books. So are you getting rid of one, or are you introducing a third? No, they'll, they'll give him. His, they'll no, give him his own book. Someone on it. You're relaunching it, and yeah. it'd be like with Bendis taking over Avengers. Right. Just, right. It's it's the all new Bendis. Justice League. Like, like I said, he's he wants to wow people. He's going to go for the virtuoso performance. He's going to go for the team book. That's what Bendis does best. He does teams and then, very and well. It, and it shouldn't. And obviously, you know, I mean, DC's in it to make money, and and it shouldn't matter. But it's one of those things where now, now, now you're just kind of inviting that that environment. That, that you're fostering the same thing that you know when when Rucker had to leave Wonder Woman or when Wade had to leave Captain America and it's like so so I was writing a book that they they kicked me off of or they got rid of they canceled because someone bigger was coming in to write and 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 that's yeah, one of those things where I mean and that's and that's business but that that's also sour grapes with with your with with, with your peers with your I mean and and right. you know it's so it's I get it I absolutely get it. Like you said, it's business, and and I and I gotta hit the ground running, and I'm gonna make a big splash. But at the same time, you're, you know, why why would you you wouldn't want that done to you? So why would and and obviously if Bendis won't have any control over it, but it's still one of those things where it's like, well, I, I thought I was telling a cool story and people were digging it, but now you know, someone else had to tell their story. Yeah, another good thing that's gonna come out of this, I think you're gonna see Johns come back to writing a lot sooner than we thought he would. Well, he's already back. He's doing the... What's he doing? The, he's doing the giant event, the Watchmen event. Oh, the Doomsday Clock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's going to go on to other things, too, because he's not going to... He's going to say, all right, look at this. 
Bendis is here, man, I got to step up because it's Bendis. I'm not going to stay to the shadows. Doomsday event is going to be its own little thing, but Bendis is going to come out to a right. Uh, Bendis. Johns is going to come out to a regular series not long after that. You know, I'm fascinated by what you just said, that Bendis is great at team books because he is while while i enjoyed avengers i I would say his best books are not team books his best books were daredevil and ultimate spider-man and jessica jones which were very much personal books so um but i don't think i think this is silly to debate because bendis just signed an exclusive mega deal he's doing wumba books i mean sure this is gonna be this first book but i mean bendis is going to very quickly be writing three four five books good so this is not a, oh, let's give Bendis his, his vanity project. This is Bendis is one of the new architects of DC. He's going to yeah. be writing. He'll have a team book and he'll have a book, a quirky book, and he'll have a mainstream single character book. And look, and, and, and for those that want to debate whether Bendis's role at, or influence at Marvel had waned, um, maybe from a sales perspective, he no longer had a meaningful impact on numbers. But uh, it's clear he never lost his creative impact because – Dude was always involved in the timely stuff that was related to the crossovers. I mean, no coincidence he he took over a Defenders book right before the Netflix series. No coincidence he relaunched Jessica Jones because of that. No coincidence that, uh, you know, he uh, took over Guardians of the Galaxy when he did. I mean, so um, I suspect he will be writing things that are at least partially tied to what's going on with the DC film universe. That would be my expectation. Fun times. But that's exciting. Hat tip to to someone that, um, and it's interesting because when we did our episode 500 and I tallied our, we'll look back at all of the 11 O'Closker awards, Bendis won never, never won an award. So that would credibly argue, at least from our perspective, his, his peak had come in the prior 10 years. Yeah. He's not a huge draw for me. I know. No, I know. I I I like the X Men stuff, the Avengers stuff is great, but overall, not not a huge draw. Respect and admire the man's talents, but he doesn't get me to buy a book. Characters mm-hmm. get me to buy a book, right? For sure. All right, now let's talk some real comics. Go ahead. No, you need to jump in, Vince, because I know that was like. After, Torture. Like, after, that, after all that industry talk, you need to you need to regale us with something grand. All right, I got something very grand. This is uh, written by Mister Frank Thierry, art by Pat and Tim Kennedy, with colors by Matt Herms, inks by Bob Smith and Jim Amash. When was the last time you heard Jim Amash? Dap. A while. It's been a while, right? Uh-huh. Uh, this is published by... Uh, it's a, it looks like a new imprint from Archie. It's Archie's Madhouse. It is Jughead the Hunger, number one. And remember I told you about Jughead the Hunger, uh, the zero issue or the one shot, not mm-hmm. too long ago? Well, this picks up right after that ended. Jughead is um, cursed by uh, lycanthropy. And uh, it's something that uh, 
the the Jughead Jones family line has been afflicted with for uh, a long time. And after dispatching a bunch of people on the one shot, <laughs> I mean, he killed a lot of people. Uh, he realizes that life in uh, Riverdale cannot go on the way it has, and he hits the road. And one of the uh, people that he uh, supposedly killed at the end of the one shot was Reggie. He uh, decimated Reggie, but as when this issue opens, Reggie is brought into the hospital, and they're working on him, and Reggie Mantle expires. Mm. He 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 dies. Right. Uh, we see the uh, the the heart monitor go from frantic to metered to just. Um, one long beep and then it's done and the, the people in the emergency room are just like yeah this this doesn't get any easier this is tough especially one so young as this kid and they're they're ready to pull the the blanket over reggie's head and he comes back to life well if if you know your your lycanthropy what happens when someone is bitten by a werewolf they become one too. Exactly. And I think that sets up the conflict for future issues of uh, Jughead the Hunger because Reggie is now a werewolf. Mm-hmm. And Jughead hits the road, like I said, and what do you do when you're trying to erase your past existence? Where do you go? Well, you join the circus. <laughs> right? Jughead joins the circus. And he goes on the road and... Uh, it's really neat. They, uh, the creative team uh, uses the, the lion cage to illustrate just how much of a threat Jughead has become. Like The lions give Jughead a pretty wide berth. They, they, they realize that, that he's a savage force to be reckoned with, and they kind of back off a little bit. And um, Jughead meets... Uh, a nice young girl in the in the circus. Her name is Abby, and she's she's cute. She wears a baseball hat. She's a redhead, um, short skirts, and uh, Jughead kind of gets close to her, but um, unfortunately, <laughs> it, it doesn't end well because Jughead uh, realizes that there's a problem. I become this savage thing whenever the moon is full. I got to do something. So he chains himself up in his uh, his little trailer. A hot dog is with him too. Uh, big thick ass chains. Chains himself up, but someone lets Jughead free. And what does he do? He rips Abby to shreds. Probably mm. the most violent, disturbing panel I've seen in an Archie comic to date. Um, Jughead transforms, or so we're led to believe, and and does his thing as werewolves are wont to do. And when he comes back, when he when he changes back to a human, he he surveys the the area. He he finds himself in the lion's cage, 
And the lions are like, fuck this. <laughs> They're over in the corner. They're just like, we're not going near this guy. So Jughead looks around and he sees Abby's corpse and she's headless. And it, it is really disturbing for an Archie comic. Like mm-hmm. her, her guts are all over the place. Um, lit by the light of the full moon or, or uh, a moon, I should say. And, um, her head. It, the, it seems like her bottom jaw is totally ripped off and her, her head is floating in a pool of blood next to her intestines. It, it's, it's just gross as hell. Like for Archie, this is nuts. Um, on the road is Betty and Archie. Now, if you remember when I talked about the one shot, Betty comes from a long line of werewolf killers. The Cooper family has been um, way down the line. It's like kind of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There are generations of werewolf slayers, and Betty is the latest incarnation of that. And she and Archie are, are on the road, and they're hunting Jughead, and Betty doesn't take any shit. She's, she is not Veronica. Well, I shouldn't say that. She's more Veronica than Betty, now that I think about it. Mm. And... uh her cousin joins the fray. Her cousin, Bo Cooper. <laughs> and he's a redneck. He is 100% redneck, man. And he joins the, 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 um, the chase to get Archie. But Veronica shows up, too. And this probably is the first instance where I've liked Veronica more than Betty. Number one, Veronica shows up wearing a Pixies t-shirt. Yeah. If you're yeah. gonna endear yourself to me, you're yeah. gonna you know, Pixie's t shirt is the way to do it. And and Veronica's very curious. She's like, What is going on with, with Betty and, and Archie? Like they just leave and they don't tell me where they're going, what's going on? And and Betty's in or Veronica's in her uh lodge <clears throat> mansion, all the comforts that uh most people are deprived of. And um there's a something at the door and this is where the issue ends uh veronica opens the door and there's a giant humongous werewolf uh slavering at her door and we don't know uh, if it's reggie or if it's jughead but i i i just adore this stuff it's it's more along the lines of the sabrina and uh, Afterlife with Archie, the reimagining of these classic characters in very disturbing, violent, uh, horror-themed situations. I can't get enough of this. Uh, I put a bunch of preview images on the 11oclockcomics.com site uh, to accompany this episode. And this is not... Uh, uh, while Frank Avilla did the cover, it's uh, typical Frank Avilla. It's great. Great typography. This uh, Pat and Tim Kennedy, it's a very clean style. Not what I expected to see. It's, uh, if I had to compare it to someone, uh, I would say Mike Norton meets uh, Eduardo Riso. There's a, a, a fo- there's a, a focus on the blacks, but the the character delineation is very very Mike Norton. Mm-hmm. 
very clean. Uh, it's readable. It's beautiful. But um, not that ragged line that we love with Frank Avia. It's a different approach, but it works. Mm-hmm. It, it works very well. It's it's a more mainstream approach. Like they're they're not stacking the the deck in their favor by getting someone who's very good with the gritty, dirty, filthy blacks. Uh, it's a more digestible style, uh, which may or may not work down the line. We'll see. But for this issue, it worked very well because most of it takes place within the emergency room and um, like uh, the Lodge Mansion and Betty uh, and Archie on the road. So there's really not a whole lot of, um, aside from the murder, there's not a whole lot of horrific incidents in this issue. So it's just, it's all set up is what I'm trying to say. But man, my attention is, is peaked. Uh, I'm in. Uh, and 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 if there's a one character in Riverdale that you would associate with hunger, it's got to be Jughead. Like the guy has That's no true. bottom. Yeah. yeah. Now I think th- these um, these mature readers, Archie books, they're just amazing to take something that has existed for decades and just make them. In my opinion, not to slight anything that's come before, Dan Parent included, make them better. Like th- this is a a dagger right to my heart and that's in a good mm-hmm. way i love this stuff i i consume this like uh like jughead with a a pops burger <laughs> i loved it there is um i know you said that this is probably this is a rare time it's one of the first times where you would pick veronica over betty but i can pretty much guarantee you there is a one other time you would not have a problem saying that that's the Riverdale show, right? Yep. Yeah. I don't watch it, but my daughter does. Yep. And um, I've seen it in the background, and I have to agree. Um, cosmetically? Fire. Right. Cosmetically, though, the the actress they chose to portray Veronica is much more attractive to me than, than Betty. Correct. Yeah. But I'm superficial. I too, though, so I don't know no, she's like... pretty, but, but <clears throat> Veronica's like smoking. But when her. you're in the same room, as, yeah, yeah, right. So, All yes. eyes on Veronica. I get it. Yeah. So yeah, if you're if you're a horror fan and have, you know, a, a, a minimal uh, association with the Archie characters, who doesn't? After all these years, right? We know these characters. She feels listen to this show. True. Right. You should really check out what Archie's doing with the the, the horror books. They're all great. Sabrina's mm-hmm. great, Afterlife, and now Jughead. There's a third one in the mix. I added it to my pull list on DCBService.com, so I never miss an issue. Oh, so okay, so okay. It's a it's good a feature. I think you need a pull list for something like that because the only knock I have on these books, and they are very, very good books. I haven't read the the Jughead, but the uh, Sabrina and the Afterlife were, were terrific. Uh, is just that they're sporadic. Very infrequent. And right. I don't know why. I don't know if it's budget or... That the creators are also working on other things. Yeah, but. I don't think it's budget. I, I, mm-hmm. um, the, I will give them a little tip of the hat. Sabrina had three issues this year, <laughs> which is like a major deal. Yeah. It is. Um, but Afterlife has been Chinese water torture. It has been drip. And then, okay, 20 minutes later, another drip. It's been very sporadic. Yeah. That that's the one thing they need to fix. Um, I don't know whether it 
it solved by getting new artists in there. Uh, but Frank Avilla, right. for whatever reason, he has been chosen as the artist for Afterlife. He he's just not producing. I don't know. Yeah, dude, dude's not getting it done. I don't know. Well, I, I I can only imagine what the reason is. Right. I wish they came out every month. If they did, I would be there with my money. Yes, you would. Yep. So what else? I have more, but I would <laughs> like to, to pass the torch. Pass the torch, the baton. This should be the Halloween episode for me because I have nothing but horror this episode. Horror, horror. So it's, it's, it's an atypical week. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Well, Marvel, speaking of, <coughs> is um, putting out some some more soft than other reboots or restarts, refreshes, what have you. And one of the ones that caught my eye, probably for obvious reasons, was Spider-Man versus Deadpool number 23. Now, a few things. Uh, This title had heretofore been known as Spider-Man Deadpool. Uh, They changed it to be Spider-Man versus Deadpool as part of this soft reboot. Uh, issue number 23 is the start of a new arc with a new creative team. Writer Robbie Thompson, who has been writing Spidey, drawn by our buddy Nate Stockman. Yes. And, so the, and the artist, Mr. Chris Bocello. Did I get that right? <laughs> Perfectly right. Scotty's nice. jumping up and down right now. Nice. Now, Bocello had just recently been killing it on Doctor Strange with Jason Aaron. Seriously. I was sad to see him leave. And this book started off with an absolute bang because the first page is Bocello's Doctor Strange walking down the street of in New York. Get out of here. Yes. So, in a way, he's giving us the artistic handoff officially signaling his leaving the one book for the other. I love that. I love it. Which I thought was terrific. Me too. Yep. Yep. Um, as you guys know, and, and probably anyone that's listened for a while knows, I am a big Deadpool fan, but I do not read. There are more Deadpool comics that are published that I don't read than do. Um, I freely admit, even though I adore the character, that he can and often is overexposed. I also think that because anytime you're dealing with humor, which tends to be more subjective than straight trauma or plot-driven action, um, he can very quickly veer into the annoying, depending on who's writing him. Um, So I come and go. I come and go. I try any Deadpool book that comes out and and give it a whirl, but I'll I'll quickly abandon it, if not Bobby, and go back after an arc or two or with a creative change or what have you. Um, So in this case, I I do have all the issues of Spider-Man Deadpool up to this point, but I'm woefully behind. Um, That would be one of the books that would fit into Vince's To Be Named Later (laughs) New idea that we're going to do. He's such a uh, dick. <laughs> such a dick. But uh, aside from from oh Pacello, uh, <laughs> the Doctor Strange homage, uh, this book takes place very much in the now. Uh, I know this because I had not been reading 
Spider-Man either, but as we talked about with the first issue of the new Spider-Man paradigm, he has lost his fortune, lost Parker Industries, and is sleeping on Mockingbird's couch. Well, in this book, we are to pick up Mockingbird waking Peter Parker up and telling him it's time to go get a job. That's who that is? I'm looking at it right now. That's who what is? That's who the... The the woman is in this double page spread. That's Mockingbird. Yeah, Mockingbird. Yeah. Oh, that's so hot. I know. So the uh, shield is is no longer, and Spidey, in spite of being friendly with Deadpool, is uh, they Deadpool is is a, a wanted man. He is no longer a good guy. He has come to terms with the fact that that he's not his natural state is not to be good, not to be a hero. Uh, and Spidey decides it's his job to take Deadpool down um, and tries to do so. Deadpool is selling former S.H.I.E.L.D. weaponry on the black market and has commandeered a helicarrier. And so Spidey rolls up to the helicarrier and to try and stop Deadpool, and Deadpool is having none of it because in his mind he and Spidey are boys. And he's trying to buddy him up, give him a tour of the helicarrier, offers him a job. Um, there are a bunch of other D-lifts, D-list villains that are working with, with Deadpool in the facilities. Clay Quartermain, the LMD. Um, uh, some, uh, what's her name? I can't think of her name. Uh, some, some, some rando female Spidey villain. Um, oh shit, I can't think of her name. Uh, uh, shit. I can't think of her name, but uh, I'll look it up in a second. But uh, but either way, it's uh, it definitely plays to the comedy. A lot of the, the a lot of the pratfall action, um, the the give and take between the two, um, a little bit of that Laurel and Hardy kind of vibe. But uh, but it's spot on. Um, I think Bocello makes the book because his style of cartooning is perfect for what's going on between them and the sight gags and the visual cues. Uh, there's a, a part where Spidey falls into a pit and it's uh, it's a giant vat of life-sized Hulk plushies and then a giant claw comes down because Deadpool's built one of those giant claw games that you see down the shore um, just because and uh, there's another part where they are dropped out of a trap door of the helicarrier and land into a giant uh, oceanic uh body of water. I don't know if it is the ocean or if it's a pool of water or something, but there are these gigantic, and, and Bocello does this great, it's gigantic, almost megalodon-sized great white sharks that have all of these sensors attached to their bodies, and as a result, they are psionic. They can not only read each other's minds and communicate, but they can amplify telepathically, and anyone around them can communicate. Um, and one of them is gnawing on Deadpool's leg while Deadpool's talking, because of course, why not? Um, Manphibian's in it, Vince. Manphibian is the is the trainer of of said sharks. I'm seeing it right now. Oh, cool. Um, so a strong start. Uh, again, not breaking any new ground. This isn't high art. This isn't Eisner award winning stuff. But it is Pete and DP, both very witty characters doing their thing, and lots of interesting Easter egg type one-off character moments and it is in current continuity and I, I dug it. So I'm on board. I'm on board for this arc. 
they'll 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 keep me arc by arc, but but Robbie and and Chris won me over for at least these six issues. Is that Screwball? No. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Screwball is not the same as the. Um, what's the name of that 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 male or that anthropomorphic uh, character that is kind of like plastic? He can slapstick. He Slapstick, yeah. No, I thought, yeah, Screwball. That's it. It's uh, it's Screwball. Who is Screwball? Uh, she showed up in the um, during the Webheads era. I, I don't know like if the it's the stuff. Yeah, it was post that, so I don't know if she's a slot okay. creation or Guggenheim. But yeah, it was when the four four okay. writers were yeah, swapping so she's stories. She's a, a uh, she broadcasts on the web. Like she does this show where she just goes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah. Okay. okay. So it's a little different. She was wearing a helmet before, mm-hmm. but this, yeah, no, she got, she got a slightly different look. Okay. But uh, I take I issue know. with the fact that you said this is not high art. This issue's beautiful. Oh, dude! I, I think art, he like, means content like wise. Like just, this isn't, yeah. Oh no, it's below the belt. This yeah. This isn't born again. Division. Right. 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 This right. Right. Going to win an Eisner. No, but these these pages are gorgeous. Oh, hella gorgeous! Of course. Yeah. And there's a lot of panels. Like the content is just like chunky. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and Robbie gets the voices right, at least. And and I apologize. I think Robbie may listen to our show these days. If 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 he's written Deadpool before in some capacity, I apologize. I don't I don't know if he has, but um Yeah, but it was fun. Uh this is this is right in my wheelhouse. It's uh not for everyone, your mileage may vary, but I know some people haven't been feeling the spidey these last few few uh arcs and um the one thing i'll say about it and it's just a minorist nit and it doesn't bother me that much but it may bother y'all a little bit more i think the way pacello draws pete early on in the issue is strange doesn't look like i've ever seen pete before yeah Yeah. it doesn't you're right makes him look a little almost ugly yeah it's as if the um physically uh the, the the irish actor who was um uh, he was in Bridesmaids. He was Jane's boyfriend. He went, they they went out to dinner in in the second Thor movie. But it, it's it's and and I know his I know his name. I can't think of it right now. But he's the tall Irish dude. Uh-huh. Kind of looks a little like not 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 super goofy or doofy. But yeah, no, Pete, Peter is definitely a little. Well, he's too young for Peter, I think. Yeah, the the, the person that Bacello's drawing in these. Panels yeah. is, is when he's on the couch, it looks like the kid's a teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but Mockingbird, and, and, and we know that's not true because he's bet, he's 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 shacking up with Mockingbird at this yeah. point. Yeah, so. Mockingbird, and he just smoking. got done being CEO of Parker Industries. Woo! I'm looking at yikes. Yeah, Mockingbird is pretty fine. Yeah. Bobby's got it going on these days. Yeah, exactly. But Bacello Spider Man's great. Oh yeah, yeah. Now I'm in. I'm looking at cool. this and it's just the 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 pit of hulks with the giant claw. Yeah. That it's yeah. phenomenal. I know. And then and then Deadpool's like now some of those are actual human beings in suits. Just because. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about kinetic. That that's the one thing I, I, I think I love the best about Bacello when he brings to the page. It mm-hmm. is animated AF. Like it's alive. Right. E- even as double page spreads, like there's Characters busting out of panels. The, the panel is too small to contain the character, so they break out into another panel. And it's just the composition is magnificent. I love Bacello. Mm-hmm. If anything's going to get me to read a Marvel book, it's Bacello. Nice. And sharks are vicious, too. I know. 
Yeah, this is great. Thank you. Hardcover. Thank you. Thank you. And it's Deadpool. Can't go wrong with Deadpool. Mm-hmm. What are you laughing at? Whatever he's about to talk about. Well, I can't talk about it because Vince hasn't come up with the um, the intro for the segment yet. Um, <laughs> now who's being a dick? I can. F- he's never a dick. He he prods <laughs> gently. Oh wow. <laughs> You, no favoritism. All right, let's let's do it. You can talk about it. I'll set it up right now. No, 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 no. Because I'm not. I'm I'm an issue or two behind. So all right. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm pulling your pubes. It just it just won't have the effect without the the intro that I'm going to record. That's then then I will wait. All right, intro. all right. But people, stay tuned because we have this new segment that's going to be really great. We just haven't come up with the the requisite material yet to to present this segment in the way it should be presented in the best possible way to present but once we do here i'll be talking about it for real though uh let's see well um real quick i am super glad that the um that the becky clunan punisher is is done (laughs) yikes Um, it, yeah. it shots fired. It was no, 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 and that's not. And 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 seriously, I think she 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 wrote the Punisher story she wanted to write. I just um, it's it's really hard to um, envision a story and and start it with the great Steve Dillon, uh, only to not have him be able to finish it. Um, and. I didn't realize that issue 17, when I talked about the past few issues, that 17 was the last issue in the series and, and closed out the um, the last arc as well. But, um, you know, the, the covers by Declan and Jordy were great. Um, but uh, visually, it's it's not really going to be a, a, a top five Punisher tale for me. Um, it's not Platoon. Oh, it's definitely not platoon. It's, <laughs> it's not. It's not born. It's not welcome back, Frank. It's not. It, it's not a lot of things, but it's. Um, you know, I mean, it was. It, it's just. It th- honestly, the the, and I'm sure Matt Horak is is can do. I'm sure he is a very fine artist, depending on the story. But considering he was somewhat aping Dylan in some places and it just it it I I it just I could never um I never really warmed up to it. So if you've been digging it, that that's great. Um I'm no pun intended a glutton for punishment, but it's one of those things where it it's the punisher I kinda wanted to finish it to just to at least say, you know, I I I, I read it and and there's another Punisher story. But uh so so that's done. And uh, the other, um, one of the other Marvel books I read, uh, which is funny since the second issue came out today, but The Falcon, number one. Um, This is written by Rodney Barnes, art by Joshua Kassara, uh, colors by um, Jason's new BFF, uh, Rachel Rosenberg, and it's Rochelle. Rochelle. What did I say, Rachel? Mm-hmm. I'm he's, sorry, Rochelle. He said Rochelle. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
Oy vey. I I I kind of dig somewhat uh, Falcon's new outfit, but this is post Secret Empire. Uh, Falcon is now Falcon again. Sam Wilson is no longer wielding the shield. Uh, he does have a protege um, who is Rayshon Lucas, who you might know as the Young Avenger, the Patriot. Uh, oh, that's so me. The Falcon. And Captain America instead of Captain America and Falcon. So, um, what, was that a, was that a groan, Jace? Uh, it was a groan in that I much prefer him as the Patriot, but that's neither here nor there. Why? Because Young Avengers is phenomenal, and I don't know why you change him from being the Patriot. Okay. But he, wait, what do you mean? He is the Patriot. Wait, I thought you said it was another character, but for, formerly known as. No, 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 AKA. Oh, okay. Oh, then yeah, I, no, no, it's it's. Um, the cover's horrible. It, it is not a uh, yeah. It, it's it's not an attractive cover no. at all. Um, and it is by uh, Jesus Sayas. So I mean, that's a little weird because I like Jesus' stuff normally. It's just I, I don't know what was going on with this like painterly look. But there are some pages, especially like the. Um, the, the second page, uh, I, I the Falcon landing on on the hood of the car. I yeah, like that. Nice. Um, there, there. It, it's 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 a funky style. It's, it's a little gritty. It's um it's not uh, it's not Mahmoud. It's not Stuart I and mean, It's 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 a little um it's scratchy in some places, but it it kind of fits. And and Falcon is um he is in Chicago and he is going to uh he's trying to broker peace between two gangs uh in chicago um and he was going to kind of do it on his own but he uh because the patriot is kind of talking in his ear um uh rishon is basically um he he is um he's training with uh with Misty and and he is he, he's just which is which is weird because I I would think if 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 he, he was a young Avenger I I thought maybe he would have already I I guess it's always good to have more training I mean no one's going to be and and possibly after Secret Wars things are a little changed anyway but um, Falcon is is taking under his way as fuck. yeah. Um, he uh the the dialogue the, the conversations that 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 Sean and and Sam have are um are, are pretty chill uh, it's they play off each other nicely and um while the um while Falcon is meeting with one gang Patriot's going to go meet with another so this way the Rangers and the Kings can meet at Grand Park um but the uh the the, the Kings don't really, um, I'm sorry, the Rangers, the dude in charge, he, he doesn't, he ain't hearing it. He's like, you know, it, it, it's set up. I don't believe it. Why should we even go bother to meet with them? But, uh, homies crew, the rest of the Rangers is like, no, man, let, let, let's hear him out. You know, man, man, man says he wants to make it better. Let's, let's see him make it better. Let, let, let's go do this. Let's go meet. So, um, so, so they're, they're cool with it. And they're all going to go meet. Um, things do not go well. 
Um, and that's that. That's kind of where I'm. I'm going to leave it. However, uh, the last page does reveal who's kind of pulling the strings, and I don't quite know how I feel about introducing this villain uh, into the Falcons' world. Um, See, this is a case of the solicits. Uh, I know that you're not big on them. This that wouldn't this wouldn't be a big spoiler if anyone's read the solicits. And I see the second cover, uh, the the cover of the second issue. So it's Blackheart is is yeah. um is the guy who is uh mm-hmm. basically impersonating the the mayor and he um that's freaky. and that's it's 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 a freaky looking image too. But um that's so it was it was an interesting setup. I, I like I think I think Barnes has a has a good enough handle. On Sam, I like the relationship between Sam and Sean. Uh, I haven't read the second issue yet, so I'm going to. It's um, I I I appreciate that 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 they 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 did more with Sam by making him Captain America, somewhat of a promotion. But he he he's Falcon to me, so I, I like the um the somewhat back to basics approach, and and like most legacy books, um. They did it with Amazing Spider-Man, and um, and a couple others I read. There is a um, there is a two three page origin story um, for the Falcon. Now, the, I guess the first week they were drawn by um, Mark Bagley, uh, penciled by Mark Bagley rather. Uh, Robbie Thompson was your writer, and then the um, the one I read from last week. Um, I forget who drew it now, but again, it was written by Thompson. So I don't know if, if, um, <clears throat> excuse me, if they're going to collect these, if, um, it, it, almost, it it's kind of like what they did at the end of, um, the, the, the Trinity weekly series where there was just, uh, well, that was a backup more or less, but it, it's, it's, it's just, it's a three page origin of, of the character that you're reading. So, um, and I think they kind of slightly tweaked it for this um for the current generation i it, it doesn't uh it's not steeped so much in the if you were well well, well falcon's original origin they, they they've obviously made some changes over the years but it was um overall the first issue like i said i didn't think um i didn't know what to expect and 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 I enjoyed it, so I will be checking out the second. It's a good-looking book. It is. I totally forgot that I read this. Really? Yeah. Yeah, then I was like, oh, wait, it's on my list. And then I reopened it. I'm like, okay, oh, yeah, yeah. I read it when it came out. Um, hmm. I don't know if that says anything. About reading it. <laughs> I think it does. Yeah. I see a little bit of Scott Collins in the art. That would explain why I don't care for it. That's probably accurate. You hurt my heart. <laughs> a little bit of Scott, a little bit of um, uh, it almost has like an indie feel to it. Yeah, somewhere. yeah, a little bit of yeah, yeah. And it's uncharacteristically violent for the Falcon. Like the dude getting shot in the head, right in front of him with the blood yeah. splattering. Yeah, face. yeah. It yeah. just it just seems very extreme. But I, this is going to sound weird, but. My comment, I'm looking back when I read this, 
I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way. Um, if this wasn't, if I didn't know that this was written by an adult black man, I felt like it was written by a guy trying to write the way he thinks black people talk, but actually isn't how they talk. Okay. Like I thought the gang talk was so over the top, heavy handed with the faux slang. And then I was like, wait, I'm like, Oh, this was written by Rodney Barnes. I'm like, huh? Okay. I'm like, Oh, all right then. You mean DeFalco didn't write this? <laughs> That's what I'm saying a little bit. But <laughs> no, I get you. Did, that, but in the beginning, did you say who Rodney Barnes is? Why people should care about that name? I did not go into uh, the man's resume, though. So uh, he, he's he's a, a well-renowned television writer. Uh, he he uh, was the head writer on My Wife and Kids with Damon Wayans. He was the partner and head writer on with Chris Rock on Everybody Hates Chris. Okay. He was the producer of the Boondocks cartoon. Oh, sweet. Uh, he was uh, one of the creators of, uh, and producers of uh, Vinyl, the HBO show that didn't last too long. He oh. is the head writer and producer of Marvel's Runaways show that's coming out on Hulu soon. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's actually doing a, um, at least supposedly, I don't know if that guy... Maybe that got canceled, but he was supposed to be doing a um, a new cartoon with uh, Key and Peele. Oh wow! Yeah, call Van Davian and Mike, but I don't I don't know if that's that may that may have gotten canceled. I haven't heard anything about that in a while. But uh, yeah, so very accomplished uh, um, television writer. I, I like I said, I I, it, I I was legit surprised that it was written by a, a black man because I read it and thought, oof, I'm like some of the style is rough, and then. <laughs> I love Jason so much. I really do. Well, it just seemed heavy-handed to me. It does, yeah. From what I've seen on my screen here, I didn't read the issue, but I did peruse a a, a number of pages. It does seem like someone getting into a... And again, to reiterate what you said, not trying to you know, cast dispersions or, or... I'm not racist, but it seems like someone trying to get into the black suit, right? Like putting a suit on, like, I'm going to be a, I'm going to get into the the heads of these gang members. Like, okay, so there's a page where he, where Falcon goes to meet up with one of the gang leaders to try and broker the peace. And he says, uh, my man, Falcon, welcome to Chinatown, Chinatown. All right, fine, fine, that's fine. Then 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 they speak on it for a bit. And then he says... Cause we'll cut your black ass to pieces. <laughs> really? I mean, yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just too focused on how hypersensitive the world is right now. But I feel like if Dan Slott wrote that line, there'd be more than a few suspect right. tweets going around. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. Right, if you right. feel some kind of way, but I guess Rodney can get away with it. It's true. And then it's like, woo! Look at your boy go. Really? I mean, <laughs> but. I don't know. All right. I mean, again, maybe it's fine. Maybe I'm just, I don't know. Yeah. Dialogue aside, visually, I think the issue is very nice to look at. Yes. It's not offensive to my eyes. Right. All right. Cool. I have something. I have actually two somethings. Something, something. And, and the joy of bringing these somethings to the table is that the leeway y'all allow me to talk about things I love. 
That's the joy. Nice. Because I have not one, but two brand spanking new hack slash titles. Oh, Lord. Yes. Oh, my Lord. One. Wait. Shut up. One (laughs) published by Image. One published by Dynamite. And they uh, transpire at different times, different periods in the timeline. Uh, the last Hackslash miniseries was produced three years ago. And um, spoilers, if you haven't read that, we lost one of the... Uh, Vlad? Yes. Yes. So the the Dynamite issue... Which is called Hack Slash. Are you waiting for it? Versus Vampirella. Number one. Takes place before uh, Vlad's demise. The Image series, which is called Hack Slash Resurrection, number one, takes place after Vlad's apparent demise. I don't think he's dead. But anyway. Um, the Dynamite series, Hackslash versus Vampirella. Cassie and Vlad take a much-needed vacation in Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas! And and while they're there, um, Vlad keeps reminding Cassie that we are on vacation. Ignore. Um... As this duo uh, has been um, in the past, they are thrown into a uh, occurrence that um, may very well be the work of a slasher. Somebody is removing the hearts of um, lustful males uh, by forcible means, just ripping the hearts from their chest. And Cassie gets wind of it. And curiosity gets the better of her uh, counter to what Vlad may may tell her. Like, hey, we're on vacation. Pull back. Cassie investigates. And uh, the perpetrator, or so we're led to believe, of the removed hearts is none other than the blood-red Queen of Hearts who has plagued Vampirella all the way back to the Warren series. Uh, this woman is an agent of chaos. She worships chaos. She, uh, I mean, she, if Vampirella had a, uh, an arch enemy, the uh, Blood Red Queen of Hearts would be she. And um, Vampirella and Cassie meet up, and Vampirella summarily dispatches Cassie in a violent manner. So Cassie's just like, all right, I'm going to pull back. Like, she's not dumb. Cassie's not stupid. She realizes when she's been bested. So um, the the two have a common goal, and it's to uh, to get the blood red queen of hearts. But um, visually, uh, let's see. This issue has been written by Sean Aldridge. The art is by Rafa Labosco. Colors by Chris O'Hallorhan. Um, Labosco's art, Jason, is in the Eduardo Rizzo school. 
Now you're talking. Yes. Very clean, very stylized figure drawing. Um, a, uh, a worship of the blacks. The shadows are thick and chunky. Cassie's gorgeous and um, very attractive. Uh, you put a girl in a schoolgirl skirt. I don't know what they were thinking when they thought a schoolgirl uniform would um, detract from extracurricular activities. I just think it enhances it. I don't know about you two. But um, so she's in the schoolgirl uh, skirt with the with the ripped nylons and the the belly shirt and the leather jacket. Cassie's gorgeous, but Vampirella is um, she does not appear in the traditional Vampirella costume. She has some kind of a muscle shirt that has the uh, the firebrand symbol on it, and it it's okay. But the cover is uh, done by Jenny Frizen, and she's remarkable. She uses a uh, playing card motif with the Queen of Hearts, something that fans of Vampirella have encountered in the past in the Warren series. So it's it's in the the mythology to use this um, this trade dress of uh, Cassie going at Vampirella, and Vampirella is in. The traditional um, costume. It's gorgeous. It's a beautiful cover. Uh, all in all, I thought this issue was great. It's not only Vampirella, but it's slash uh, hack slash. So I'm in for the duration because I'm a very easy mark <laughs> wherever these characters are concerned. Cassie goes to uh, superhuman lengths to uh, thwart the uh, efforts of the slashers wherever she finds them and uh, her nose is twitching in this issue she thinks there's a slasher uh, at work and she's right so Cassie and Vampirella and Vlad team up and uh, it remains to be seen what's going to happen great issue loved it it's not often that a Vampirella or uh, that a, a dynamite book eclipses an eclipse book in quality but it has happened here, and I should have leaded, I should have led with the dynamite, but I didn't. I led with the wrong one. Um, the the <laughs> the hack slash resurrection. Uh, it is written by Teeny Howard, art by Celor C E L O R, colors by K Michael Russell, letters by Crank as is every other book. Um, it takes place after Vlad has passed. Cassie has retreated. She's uh, She bought a trailer. She's living on her own. She's making her money um, doing the chatterbait stuff where she, she poses in her underwear for tips. You know, she's making money because she's, she's pretty and she is not uh, reluctant to show it off and um, walks around through the majority of this issue in her underwear and thigh-high argyle socks. It's titillating. I mean, it is hack slash. And her trailer uh, becomes accosted by zombies. So she takes the bat 
and goes out and beats the shit out of the zombies, kills them. But it, um, the zombies are sent to her by a Dr. Chase who uh, appears to be slipping into the reanimator mold. Dr. Herbert West, he has a fluid that uh, revives deceased individuals. And he knows that Cassie's living alone in a trailer and he keeps sending these zombies to her trailer and she keeps dispatching them in her underwear. Uh, a lot of TNA in this issue. She uh, destroys the zombies and she gets a phone call one afternoon. Yo, Cassie, how you doing? Uh, how'd you get this number? Well, you know, I got it. That's not the point. Uh, I have a job offer for you. I would like you to be a camp counselor <laughs> at our our little uh, our little camp. And if you are a horror fan, you know that the whole slasher genre, one of the trademarks, is the uh, the summer camp. And on the cover of this issue. There's Cassie with duffel bag in one hand and she's got the 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 studded baseball bat in the other and in the f- in the background there is a spike with a tennis shoe skewered on the spike nudge nudge wink wink sleepaway camp Cassie is now a camp counselor and um as far as the slasher genre goes that can only bode well because we're where summer camps are, slashers tend to congregate, if you're a fan of the genre. And um, Cassie keeps getting these, these dreams, these flashbacks of Vlad pushing her on a swing. And um, it's, uh, it's very introspective in some spart- parts that uh, the character of Cassie is reluctant to admit that she misses her compatriot, but... Um, she does, but Cassie's too proud of a character. Um, she puts up walls, in other words, where um, she buttresses her emotions against the outside world because she's the daughter of a slasher, the lunch lady, so that's why she she dispatches slashers. Um, it, you know, it was a good issue, but all in all, I think the image issue uh, overshadowed, or the dynamite issue overshadowed it. We'll see um, which one sticks to the landing, but I'm in for both. Um, I'm not a hard sell when it comes to Hackslash or Vampirella, so these things just had a will of their own. They jumped to my pull list. I can't not buy them, but they, I found them both, both, both to be very enjoyable and uh, worth my money. And damn, if this... Uh, <laughs> if this Merlot is not doing a job on me. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> it does. But um no, I, I live for this stuff and uh both of them uh tickle the sweet spot. One more than the other, but uh I found them both to be very, very, very worthwhile purchases. So Hackslash Resurrection from Image and Hackslash Vampirella from Dynamite. Check them out.
Hmm. Yep. I must say you have made a compelling case for even someone like me that has never read a hack slash issue in his life. Go down the list. You love beautiful women. Yes? Yes. You love TNA. Yeah? Uh, Yeah. You do. Come on. Yep. Um, the, 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 the violent, bloody, um, like the slasher genre, 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 sorry, is not lost on you. So, I mean, this is all below the belt fun. You're not going to get Watchmen out of this. I think I mistakenly, even though it was created by Tim and we were friendly, I, I mistakenly bucketed into the good girl TNA for the sake of TNA and not much else stuff for a long time and then never came around to it no no hack slash gets really deep into the the psyche of of cassie mm-hmm. but it's still i mean they they have to serve the target audience there's people coming to this that love the slasher genre so it's very violent and very bloody and very horrific but at the heart of it it's cassie speaking of violent and over the top if you haven't already, Vince, maybe your kids have already turned you on to this. You should check out The Babysitter on Netflix. The Babysitter? Yeah, it was a movie they just put out, an original. Who's in it that? In the, um, it's no one you would know. It's all young people. It's uh, Apparently, okay. though, the lead was in the Ash vs. Evil Dead show. So maybe what? You know her. Yeah. Um, super hot blonde girl. Like, super hot. Um... She plays The Babysitter. I don't know what she played in that in the ass show, but but either well, way, um, she's not blonde. If I'm thinking it's who no, I think it's, I'm thinking, yeah, no, I don't think. Well, she's blonde on the babysitter. Like I said, I don't know what she. But either way, the um, it's it's a, uh, it's just a ridiculous, over the top, silly and gory, campy uh, slasher. The, the 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 conceit is there's a young teenage boy who's a nerd picked on goofy but a good kid at heart and his parents leslie bibb and and her husband are going away for a weekend so the babysitter's coming to watch the kid and she's like his best friend she's the super cool super hot chick that sticks up for him and does like cool shit with them while they're out gone and lets them stay up late and they watch movies together and do you know dance and she teaches him about girls like the perfect babysitter right only unfortunately (laughs) he did Unfortunately, she is the leader of a satanic death cult, <laughs> and he discovers it uh, against against her intentions, and then violence and mayhem ensue. Oh, Robbie Amell's in it too. Yeah, Robbie Amell plays one of the cult members. Uh, Vince, it's not it's it's not the um, it's not Kelly. It's not Kelly. It's she was she was only three episodes. She played oh. Heather. Oh. Heather's hot. Yeah, it's it's a fun movie. It's it's ridiculous and over the top and bloody and silly and campy, but it's it's uh The poster's great. It's fun, yeah. It's it's yeah. it's fun. It's 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 yeah, it's Dude, I'll love le- letter to I'll even oh, that's watch- right. Yeah, she was she was she was one of the three in the um in the woods at the end of the first season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I even watch Screen Queens. And I, and I that's pathetic. Watching it was it bad? Uh, it's pretty pathetic. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean, I can't get enough of it. That that's just my thing. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm not going to get into the second issue of Batman White Knight in detail. But <laughs> I will say that. that, that I, what? What are you laughing at? Well, I don't. <laughs> I, I, all right, for the record, I am not adverse to reading it. No, I just wanted to say, but one of the strange things in this in this second issue is that <laughs> now that Napier is not the Joker, he um, in this world, the Harley Quinn that was with the Joker is not the same Harley Quinn. Like, there's two Harley Quinns. What? One with a busted back and one with... Yeah, so, like, when he's originally the Joker and he's just, like, a a costume criminal, it's the it's the one that's in the Terry Dodson, uh, Bruce Tim Harlequin outfit, the black and red with the ears outfit, right? And then once the Joker descends into true madness, she rolls out because... She's appalled by him, and another girl who's psychotic steps in and is his girl, and she's the you know the bat wielding the one that we see now the you know the the, the, the crazy suicide. <clears throat> um, and so then, once he becomes Napier, <clears throat> the original Harley Quinn rolls back and takes out the old one, and it's like, oh, but now you're, you're back to being you. So, and I was like, huh, it seems like a lot of effort. <laughs> Like did anyone like were people really wrestling with with Harley being that different? Like was that like a existential crisis people had? Did we need to explain why Harley went from one version to another? Yeah, but fantastic artist. This page with uh, Mister Freeze, the the full page splash with Mister Freeze looking at his wife in the in the the tube. Mm-hmm. That's a great page. Oh, dude, the the book is beautiful. Uh, as are both versions of Harley, by the way. Um, I just thought it was odd that we spent so much time on the issue explaining that there were two Harleys. How many issues is this series? Twelve, I think. Holy shit! Well, that's holy why. crap! Harley oh, has or, wait. Harley he, has no panties on in this no one panties, panel. Yeah. What is no, going on? No, no, no panties. Well, why is that? Why is what? Why does she have any panties on? Because <laughs> Sean Murphy thought it'd be hot. To and it is. No, it, it is, but it's... Ooh. Pudding. Pudding, Mr. J. Good God. Mr. J. Yeah, I need to put that image up on the 11oclockcomics.com. Mm-hmm. Dap. Yes, Vince. When this is done, let's read it. <laughs> I think we need to read this. Uh, why? She's got no panties on. <laughs> so it seems like you're reading that page right now. Yeah, but I want to read it in context. I want to know context, what's. I want to know why. Yeah, I want to see the page where she, you know, she takes panties off. I want to know what's going on. And, and you need me to go along that ride with you. It's always good when you have a friend. What? The Jason's reading it? A friend. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if it's 12 issues, I've got I've got less than a year to make up my mind. Is it 12? No kidding. Just said. He, I mean, I, I think it's supposed oh, to be. Oh, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I thought it was. 
No, it, it's beautiful. It really is. <clears throat> not not going to front. It's it's gorgeous to look at. But um I'm sure I can be persuaded. Yeah. Right? Yeah, do it. Sorry, uh, it is eight issues. My apologies. That's a good chunk. It's a hardcover. It is a hardcover. It's a hardcover. And, and it will be discounted 50% off at our sponsor. Uh, Def, how much longer do um, our listeners, by the time they listen to this, this is the last day, it will be the last day to vote for the book of the month, right? Yes, it ends on Friday. Okay, so it's all two days. Uh, it uh, Yes, because we're recording this Saturday night this week. The um, It is, I was woefully unprepared. I did not bring up the Patreon page. Let me do that now. Three um, episodes this week. Oof, I got it. You're adorable. Um, you got it? Okay. Yeah, I got it. The, uh, they have until Friday, 5 o'clock. I believe I said 5 o'clock Eastern Time. Um, your, uh, your 11 choices are still Annihilation, Astro City Life in the Big City, Batman Venom, Doctor Strange the Oath, Exiles Volume 1, Down the Rabbit Hole. Shame on everybody. Don't vote for that one. Don't. Nobody <laughs> did. Don't worry about it. Got two percent of the votes. Identity Crisis, mm. JLA Earth Two, mm. Sin City, a name to kill for. Maybe Superman Red Sun currently in second place. Thor Volume One and X Men: The New Teen Titans. Please vote your, for Thor. Your present first place leader. Is Thor volume? Oh one. my the God! Thank you. First nine issues of the Walt Simonson oh. phenomenal run. Um, Eighty-nine votes have been tallied so far. So um, there are over 150 people who are eligible to vote for our book of the month. So hopefully we'll get a few more votes before Friday again at five o'clock, um, and we will discuss the winner. At the end of November. Um, and speaking of our patrons, this is for those of you that were gracious enough to become patrons at Jump. This is the month. This is the month that you have been waiting for. If you are on the Illuminati tier or higher, and there are 80 Illuminati members, 10 New Gods members, two celestial beings. One Sugar Daddy and one Medici. So if you are in any of those tiers and have been there for six months, you will be receiving from us an EOC care package this month. Mm-hmm. And uh, those of you that were gracious enough to join that tier or say next month, then you'll get your care package the following month. But we have got, I think, uh, i got to look at the spreadsheet, but I think what I tell you, tell you guys, we have just about 50, I think. Jesus. 50 yeah. packages to put together. Yeah. So, so Dap and I have already... ten. <laughs> well, I did say I would I would do a disproportionate number of them if if you'd like, but we'll still have go. to hammer that out here in the next few days. That's how it works. <laughs> now, now I will say because um, some of these are coming from me, I am going to include things 
that are art-related, but not specifically comics. Like, not the majority of the box will be will be including. What's in the box? No, like I, I want to increase or broaden horizons. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to be including things that not aren't specifically comics, but could be related to comics. Cool. So to speak, it's going to mm-hmm. be a potpourri of of everything that's that's in mind, vintage, contemporary, mm-hmm. and it would be cool and no pressure. Seriously, no pressure. But to anyone that feels like taking some pics or do a little unboxing vid when you get yours, if you're grooving on what you get, that'd be pretty neat. No pressure there. See them. Yep. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. No pressure. I mean, no one has to do that, but it would be cool. I think in today's world, of people, it would be neat to see. If y'all are grooving what you get. I think you're yes. right. Yep. And if um and if you're happy with what you get and and maintain the um that level, you get to see what you get in what, another six months? Yep. Mm-hmm. It would it's gonna definitely be worth the investment. Let's just put it that way. I think that's right. Yeah. And if um Well at least from the stuff you two are gonna be sending out. Oh my true, god! True. It's true. And if our uh, if our very gracious Mister Escada is listening, um, I did reach out to you via yes, and he wrote social- back. He did yes. Oh, I didn't see it through the message oh. and uh, through the Patreon message. Oh, never mind then. Okay, scratch that. I'll read. Oh. I'll read the message. Cool. When's my OA tier coming up? Uh, it's four months, right? Yeah. So it's oh. I don't remember when the gentleman was it last month or the month before, but. Trev will be, and if it's not this month, it might be next month. But yeah, it, it's it's also very soon. I can't wait if to not do now. that. Oh, cool! I'm glad you said something, David. I didn't even see this response. Okay, I'm gonna hook yeah, my brother. Yeah, it sucks. Up. I can't. I don't think I can. I, you can mark them unread after you read them, and and I meant to say it in the um All in right, the nice. Slack earlier. All right, well, if you are listening to this, Carlo, <clears> and I, because I'm not going to respond tonight, I will hit you up on email tomorrow, and we'll get the, we'll get the conversation going. The deeds, yes. the deeds, yeah. yo. Um. One last order of business before I uh, talk about this book real quick. Um, it is that time of the year again, and that means it's the EOC gift exchange for 2017. Oh, nice. Yes. Uh, Mr. Stephen Water has reached out, and apparently uh, Facebook Messenger is being a pain in the taint. And who is what is that? Did you... Did, are you... Sorry. Are you watching that video again? No, I hit it by mistake. Okay. Uh, it's a great video. Um, okay, so uh, anyone wanting to participate in the gift exchange can send an email with the subject heading EOC Gift Exchange 2017 with your name, location, and whether you want to ship Domestically, internationally, or both. Cutoff date is going to be Thanksgiving Day. The email address is EOC Exchange. Spelled out exchange, not like we're not fancy. It's not just an X. It's not a music uh, book. At we're not Yahoo. Falcon. We're not Falcon. <laughs> at Yahoo.com. I mean, what's EOC the subject? Ex- it's got to be. The subject is EOC Gift Exchange 2017. Uh, with your name, can we, can we deviate from that? 
where you live. Well, he wants to be able, he probably wants to filter. He wants to make sure he sees the subject. Mm-hmm. Why? Wow, what do you want to say? Hook me up, motherfucker. <laughs> you could do that too, I'm sure. Well, he'll see it's from you. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. If he gets to Shave 2017, your name, where you live, and if you want to send your care package internationally, domestically, or if you don't have a preference. Um, These are so know, much fun. They are great. Yeah. And can I, while I have you and while Vince is a little tipsy, can I get you guys to commit to uh, to, to reinvigorating our no. exchanging of gifts? Nope. Nope. We nope. Nope. Why? Nope. I love that. Why? Me too. Don't wanna. Why? So you're cool with sending some stranger a gift? Okay. Because for us it's work. No, we can do the Christmas thing. <laughs> and David and I just send each other stuff and talk about it on the show. <laughs> Why you gotta be like that? Dude, you're Why the one you? who said no, Mr. Humbug, to me talking about doing Christmas gifts. No, nah, I want to do it. I, I, you know what? Oddly enough, I was gonna, I was gonna offer up the uh, the possibility of us doing the gift exchange again this oh, year. Nice. Yeah. All right, then. It's yeah. See, on. you're you're not the only one with a heart. Nice. It's on to like break it down. I love yeah. it. Okay. You heard it here first, folks. But we need to have a limit, though. Yes, I we do yeah. because you tend to go overboard. Now nah, we'll limit it up. We're gonna and we're not up. all, you know, thick with Wall Street fat cash. We're gonna limit it up, like y'all are. We're gonna limit it right up. <laughs> oh, um, twelve dollars. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I got your yeah. comicsology gift Just card. Just for an in stock trade. <laughs> Just one in stock trade. It went singular this. Vince, I got you the greatest Joker stories ever told. Oh, that would be cool. <laughs> Dab, I got you spy versus spy. Great. Nice. Thanks. <laughs> I got You're a signed, rock. Though. Oh, great. I hope. Digital. <laughs> Quality control. Um, Shit. What? The Merlot? Yeah. Hitting you? Mm-hmm. I got to get All up right. in like six tomorrow. Oh, that's rough. Open house. Yeah. You don't care. What do you mean I don't care? <laughs> I gotta get up at six tomorrow. Dap's gotta get up in like two hours. <laughs> you do not believe. He's gotta shave, he's gotta shower. He's gotta iron. That's Dap's gonna funny. go to Dap's gonna shower after we hang up and then he's gonna wake up before the shower again. <laughs> How come uh, we don't get mad at him? He slays himself. Dap. Because I'm not he's, lying. He's funny. He, yeah, well, no, you are a little bit. Because I already <laughs> showered. I'm not showered after. No. I'm going to bed. No, seriously. Nowhere to lie. I've never, ever encountered anyone that takes as long to get ready as that. Oh, that's true. I don't know Mail. what you do. Mail, yeah. for sure. Mail, yeah. yeah I should, you, no, I, there's, there's, you, there's you no look. Arguing. I mean, you look pretty when you get out the bathroom. But you take a long friggin' time to get yeah. ready. I do. What are you doing do you in like, there? Do you like you pulling on it? You like trim up, you trim up the pubes and stuff. I mean, <laughs> I gotta look good. I don't want any shaping when we're you know walking through the con and everything. So you manscape every day? Oh my god, that grows back quick. So yeah, wow. Well, down there. 
You sure you're not Italian? Quarter. Seriously? You know this, bro. I don't know this. This, bro. No, wait. Grandmother's Italian. My grandfather. From where? From where? Uh, She's a Tom Setti. Oh. So. Naples. Naples. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. No, forget it. Naples is awesome. I'm the reject from the island. Right. Nobody wants me. It's true. Sicilian. <laughs> Renee wants. So, uh, Vince, in your that's travels, true. That's agree. very true. Um. Well, wait. We have to do this along the script. Am I right? Oh, um, sure. Yes. Because, as usual, this episode has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, the very best in the business of getting you your comics for a fraction of the price that other people are paying. Such as, from Chapter House, you can get the Phantoma trade paperback called uh, Up From The Deep, collecting the first, looks like, five issues of the Phantoma series for a paltry $5.49. It's on my order. I backed this shit up. Uh, and as well, you can get the Phantoma Season 2, Number 1 for a lousy $1.09 from Dark Horse. I didn't order this. It is uh, Burger Books and Dark Horse bringing you Anthony Bourdain's Hungry Ghosts, Number 1, uh, $1.99. And DC Jack Kirby, 100 for a measly $8.49. That's half off the cover price. Hmm. In your travels. I've been very reluctant to uh, promote this magazine for a while because in my estimation, it hasn't been all that good. But with issue 288, it has taken a turn for the better. Why are you laughing? Um, laughing? Who's laughing? I don't know. I thought you were laughing. Not only do you get um, stories illustrated and written by John Bivens, uh, Peach Momoko, Dominic Regan... Ding, ding, ding. There's a name. Dominic Regan. Uh, James Harvey. Rance Hosley. Enki <laughs> Bailal. Uh, Menton. Kevin Eastman and Simon Bisley. Huh. Uh, let's see. Ben Mears and Christopher. Uh, Christian Francis. Mark Torres. Blah, blah, blah. You get all that and you get the brand spanking new serial written and drawn by Richard Corbin. It is Heavy Metal, issue 288, the weird issue. The weird issue, yes. Yeah, this one, this one was very, very pleasing to my eyes, and it did my heart good because it's all kinds of disturbing. Um, there's a story in here called... Um, Mouth Baby by James Harvey that will rock you to your core. It is, well, it is the weird issue. It's not only weird, it's 
it's disgusting, disturbing, vile, um, lustful. It's it's just like this issue is ridiculously violent and bloody, and uh, there's a lot of nudity in it. It it's it's a turn for the better for heavy metal. The uh, frankly, since Grant Morrison came on and before that, I think heavy metal was just plain not worth buying. But um, this issue's a, a step in the right direction. I, I don't want to poo-poo it and, and shit on it, but I don't think Grant Morrison was an asset to the magazine. But this issue's great. Most uh, f- uh, primarily because of um, Richard Corbin. <coughs> but everything else is super solid. Like, this is worth your seven bucks. Let's just put it that way. Go out and get it. Heavy Metal, issue 288. There's a piece on Frank Vizetta written by his son. Um, I kind of was taken aback a little bit because they used the Death Dealer, uh, Frazetta's famous image, as the cover. And that, as far as I'm concerned, is resting on your laurels. But the interior of the issue is just... Very, very solid. Get it. Heavy Metal 288. Corbin. Corbin. Yes. 12-part serial Corbin. starting in this issue. Corbin. Your turn, Dap. I'm done. <clears throat> well, my throat, well, my voice is going. So, um... Where's it going? I have a, um... I don't remember this, what this cost from uh, DCBS, but it's a little book containing stories by folks like Rebecca Morgan, Eleanor Davis, Dash Shaw, Gabriel Bell, Noah Van Skyver, Tommy Parrish, uh, Daria Tesler. This is now... Number one, seriously, a quarterly anthology by Fantagraphics. Hmm. Did you finish it? No. Well, <clears throat> I didn't either. I'm a couple stories away from finishing it, but I have it right here next to me. And I'm rushing through it. Can, no, you you shouldn't. And and if you if anybody's listening who who hasn't gotten it yet, you should. Definitely don't rush through it. It is it is a thick. It's 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 over. It's over 100. It's it's almost 130 pages. Yeah, 128, um, I think. It's uh, but the stories are just are are, are nuts. There's one. Did, did you read Scorpio? I did. That one can be a little upsetting because <laughs> uh, it's basically a a woman. Uh, about to give birth on November 8th, 2016. And she's a little concerned about the pregnancy because she's kind of stressing out because she doesn't want Trump to win. And all while this is going on... Sounds like an American Horror Story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All this is going on... No, it's better. Her husband is, is checking... Checking his phone to see what the results are like, and and he's like, um, 
I feel weird checking my phone for election results while you're in extreme pain because she's walking around going, fuck this, fuck it all. She's like, just get the fucking baby out of me. And um, and and so she's she's about to push on the contractions and he's all like, Jesus, Trump's really ahead. And then and then she's like, she's still giving birth. He's like, holy shit. He's like, I, 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 I North Carolina, too. It's just like it's it's he's it's it's, it's fucking upsetting. Um, it is. There is. There, there's a the story by Noah Van Skyver is um, is jam packed. It's it's a uh, it's it's a little bit of a fucked up story between two brothers because uh, Noah is just Noah has an art show that that's about to happen back home, and his brother um, Jonah is is just kind of like a pain in the ass. Uh, but overall, I mean, I just i I didn't know what to expect just based on the solicits. Um, but this is really something I think if, for everybody, any anybody, anybody's taste that, that this will you will find something in here that that you will definitely enjoy. There are a couple things that I'm not too thrilled with, but I mean, the story might be cool. But but then the um, that I don't I I can barely read SOS suitcases because of because of the handwriting in 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 the word balloons. It's Stop. like it's a little. No, I'm serious, man. Some of the cursive, it's like I don't know what the hell word that was supposed to be. I, I'm like making some things up in my head just because I want to keep the story moving. Um, but the art's fantastic. I, I thought the um, I thought I thought that was um, by JC Menu. That was it, it was a cool story. I, I I dug the story aspect of it. I just couldn't. I couldn't read it all, but I I, uh, I, I love anthologies, and and this was uh, this kind of just hit hit all the uh, all the right notes for me. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a couple stories away from finishing it because there there may be there are a lot of stories in this book that that go on for quite a few pages. So um, it's not like everybody just has eight pages to tell whatever they want to tell they they can they can be a couple of pages they can be a dozen or so pages but it's uh i would definitely i urge you to check it out if if you uh if you haven't seen it then uh do what you can to get it i will be back in four months for the second issue nice well it's a lot less than four months because the second issue of now is solicited in this month's previews i wouldn't know so i'll take your word for it it is. Okay. Thank you. Nice. Okay. Okay. In your travels, first of all, watch a few things. Go see Thor Ragnarok. Hmm. Stop it. What is that? I didn't, no, I just said, mm. I didn't yeah, say anything other than mm. mm. Like yeah. suspect. I'm not suspect. Um, yeah, now you know, you know the Bendis news is big. If Jason and I didn't give our review of the movie, uh, I know, I know. Uh, we can speak on it real quick. You can. Do it after you. Okay, uh, we'll do it. We'll 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 do. It. We'll round back away. We'll come back around. Also, uh, if you haven't already, most of you probably have. If you're going to uh, give Stranger Things season two a roll, I thought it was fantastic. In fact, mm. I dare say I liked it more than the first season. So props to that. Um, it's very then give, different than the first season. Though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Then give something a listen. Uh, our our good buddy Felix Liu uh, is uh, back again with his monthly podcast extravaganza, 
episode 24 of the Felix Comic Art Podcast. And this is a strange set of circumstances. Talk about karma. Uh, he has two guests. Uh, one, uh, a collector named Matt Todd, comes on and actually reverses roles with Felix, plays the the interviewee, and asks Felix a bunch of questions about the industry that uh, different listeners had for him. But then Felix hooks up with another collector named Dan Podick uh, at New York Comic Con to talk about uh, the industry, or the hobby rather, and the strangest thing is that I'm listening to this episode and Podick's talking about how he and his wife are leaving Manhattan after many, many years to move to a suburban town in New Jersey. And I, he also spoke about how he has these frequent New York get-togethers for art collectors and that he was going to continue to do them. So after listening to the show, I was looking for his contact information to reach out and introduce myself and say that I enjoyed him on the show and that I would like to partake in said hangouts if I'm available. And fucking if the world isn't strange enough, dude moved to my town. (laughs) The dude lives in Kinalon. Get out of here. I swear. The odds of that are astronomical. I can't fathom it. I mean, my town is 1,800 homes. It is a small town. So, uh, yep, so two of Felix's last three episode guests and collectors live in the same town in New Jersey, strangely enough. But uh, small world, but uh, it's, a, it's a fun episode. And uh, he shouts us out, gives us big time love. So, um, And then in terms of the reading, which you're going to read... Um, couple ways I could go with this. Let's see. Uh, I didn't really plan this out. Let me think about it for a second. Um, let's do... She... Hmm. You know what? I'm going to do this for Vince. Let's do Kong on the Planet of the Apes, number one. Yes, all hell is going to break loose because somehow, some way, I read a Planet of the Apes comic before my booze did. (laughs) I don't know how the hell that happened. I started it. It's, uh, it's just one of those things where I looked at it. Uh, boom. It's, it's issue one of six by boom studios, uh, Kong on the Planet of the Apes. I just, uh, I don't know. It just felt like reading. It just seemed, seemed intriguing to me. It's, uh, written by Ryan Ferrier, uh, illustration by Carlos Magno Magno, uh, colors by Alex Guimares. Uh, and a sweet ass cover by Mike Huddleston. Um, I would need your expertise to tell me where this is in the grand scheme of con- of continuity. But based on what I got from this first issue, it is set um, after the human. After the first movie. Yes, after the first movie, they're coming to the Statue of Liberty to blow it up. I guess probably in part to remove the. Um, symbolism of the statue that was pertinent to the human uprising. And on the other side of the statue, they see a gigantic Kong-like ape dead and decaying. And they're freaked out. Some of them think it's a god. Some of them don't. Some of them just think it's a mutant, mutant, mutant. And they, as they dissect, vivisect and study this uh, creature... 
they decide to go on a scientific expedition to where they think it's from to see what they can see. And they head uh, on a big arc and they head across the ocean and they end up on Monster Island. Skull Island. Okay, Skull Island. Thank you. This is why I'm saying I, I'm, I'm winging it here. But, uh, but yeah, man, I think Magno's art's terrific and uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I, I, I don't come at this with any kind of does this or doesn't this fit into the greater apes lore or anything like that. I just come in at this purely as a story on its own two feet. And uh, I thought it delivered. So I'll be, I'll be giving the second issue a try. It's pretty. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So now back to uh, Thor Ragnarok. Boo, what'd you think? I loved it. Um, I, it was when, when you, when you think on it after the fact, it, it's an incredibly, dark movie uh but it is put in such a colorful and entertaining and funny package you don't kind of realize it when it's going on and and i think that's also a problem in the sense that there are some really heavy moments but you don't get a lot of time to kind of dwell on them and and um that that can be that can be a problem to a degree but i as far as everybody who was in it i thought it was fantastic i um there were things that happened in the movie that if you see the commercials for the film uh the commercials do not give anything away because the scenes are slightly different in the movie and 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 i seriously appreciate that um I think it's an important MCU movie in in terms of uh, in in the sense that it there are a ton of callbacks to a lot of earlier phase 1 and 2 movies and um and also going forward in in as as far as um the changes to the characters in the film but uh Although I will say this is probably the very first final end credit scene I probably could have left before it aired. The the, the mid credit scene I dug, the one at the very end, uh, not so much. So you before, okay. Jackson uh, had seen the movie the night the night before and told us to skip it. Yeah, yeah, it's probably wise. Um, but I, I just, I, I, I did. I laughed a lot. Um, and when you were supposed to, it's not like it, it wasn't. It wasn't really anything groan-inducing, but it, it's colorful. I love the music. Uh, I, 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 they, they used pure imagination beautifully. I just, I, I got a huge kick out of it. I really did. I didn't. Um, I don't. I don't know. Kind of. A, expectations i had i mean you can say it was the best thor movie and that's not that's for a, sure. a uh you're not really breaking new ground by saying that uh but it's um i any any nits probably have to do with um i thought we got I, I i don't know how i feel about chatty hulk and i think they played the um 
uh, there, there's no slight spoilers there. There's a scene with Banner and Thor and uh, Banner realizes what's been going on and, and he doesn't want to lose control. And I think in, in even though the franchise has been going on for a decade, um, I think they played, they may have played that, that Banner losing to Hulk card a little too soon. But other than that, uh, I, I, I got a kick out of, out of everybody in it, but I, I, I'd love to hear what you thought. Yeah, I'm not too far off of you. I, I think for me, there was a bit of a, of a me thing going on instead of a, a movie thing. Um, which is that, um, I may be getting to the point where I've seen too many of these in that I I don't know if it's possible for me to have the same butterflies in my stomach and excitement from these films that I would have had when they were first hitting. And I have no question that if this was the first Marvel superhero movie I ever saw, I'd be getting a tattoo of it and saying it's the best film I ever saw. <laughs> it's just that it's, and it makes me, it bums me out a bit that I have come to expect a certain type of film a certain type of visual spectacle so that it no longer feels as special to me as it should. And that's a hundred percent a me, the viewer thing, not a, not a Marvel did something wrong thing. Um, it's definitely the best Thor film. It's visually one of the coolest looking films of all time. Vince, from your perspective, it is far and away the most Kirby film ever visually. I mean, yeah. they're straight out of Kirby pages, some of the character design and, and set design. Um, you can never go wrong with Jeff Goldblum in a movie. Um, I, if I had a nit and what keeps me from saying I loved it is I thought it skewed a bit too funny. Meaning that, as you said, David, the, the, the actual happenings of the film are not particularly funny. And yet they play it for jokes. It's like, you got jokes. Yeah. Um, and look, Marvel always has a bit of humor in their films and, and largely that works. Uh, and I don't think this, that it, it, I, I don't think it made it a bad movie per se, but I, I, I do think there were just, there were some scenes where I thought, I don't know, really you're going to be, you're going to be cracking, cracking the wit right this moment. Um, and, and you touched on it a smidge, but I'll go a step further. I did not like funny, dumb Hulk that that's not either want crazy raging Hulk or you want right. to fix it. One, one at one, one movie where he's smart and a badass. That's cool. I didn't like the, the, um, of mice and men. Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't my, for me, no, no. but no Thor's fantastic in this Loki. I dare say he's never been better. Yeah, I, I agree um, with you. Um, I thought the, uh, the the actress's name escapes me, but I thought Valkyrie was terrific. Is it Thea Thompson? Thompson. Tessa, Tessa Thompson. Thompson. Yeah, uh, I thought she was terrific. Like I said, Jeff Goldblum was cool. Um, Kate Blanchett. Yeah, I, I, I thought Kate Blanchett is hella. I've 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 always accepted that Kate Blanchett is a phenomenal actress. I've never found her particularly attractive, <laughs> which may be a minority view or not, but. But I thought she was awesome in this. I will say that um, significantly offsetting the fact that I thought it was too jokey was the fact that I thought this was one of the best villains we've ever seen in a Marvel film. She was a legit badass. Yeah. Um, so great cameos. 
Yeah. I'll leave those be if you haven't seen the movie. But um, so yeah, so so overall, definitely thumbs up. Um, but but uh, just ever so, this wouldn't be in my top top Marvel movies, but uh, definitely a worthy addition to the now long list of 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 uh, of movies that they've done. Yes. That's all, folks. Sweet. As always, uh, visit our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Come back next week. Um, in the meantime, say good night, David. Wow. It's wasting no time. No. Good night, David. I was like, you were just in and out tonight. We love you. That's what she said. Just a tip. Bye. Good, y'all.